Fuck your body get slow. Make up the body and leave it in tongue. Slow to the phone. Rollin' the snow. West side, jumpin' out the whip with a full clip. Then I let it bust with an edgy touch. Gettin' buck as fuck. All right, guys, let's get started here. It is BK coming at you guys on Friday, August 11th, 2023, out here in beautiful Scottsdale, Arizona. That's right. Uh, you guys have been following me on my social media pages, Instagram at BK Actual and Twitter at Bravo Kilo Actual. Decided to come out here, you know, check up on my boy from uh, overseas, my man Ian. Uh, super awesome hanging out with him. Hopefully see him again later tonight. But, uh, yeah, used to roll around the mean streets of Baghdad. You know, drinking, uh, drinking, <laughs> drinking ha- hooch from the illegal Green Zone liquor store and smoking fake weed imported from China just to kind of catch a buzz. That's right. R- rolling around in a half a million dollar seven series BMW up armored, of course, around the Green Zone. Uh, good times, I tell you. Uh, let's see. So, yeah, I'm out in Scottsdale. Hot as shit here. Oh, my God. I, You know, the funny thing is I went to high school out here and... It was obviously hot then, but I think when you're older, you don't tolerate it as well. But yeah, I got out. I mean, I went to dinner the other night when I first got here, and I walk outside, and it's like 9 o'clock at night. It's still over 100 degrees. I'm like, how do freaking people function here? Uh, anyway, but yeah, that's where I'm at right now. I got the Gorilla Road Studio going again, and uh, we're going to go ahead and do it. By the way, it is 11.38 a.m., as I come to you right now. So why don't we go ahead and get into it, guys. We'll start with the international news. And let's go to Ecuador. You guys probably have all seen by now the social media video of the presidential candidate getting assassinated. And it was all, like, you can't really see the bullets hit him, but just to describe the video, it's, I would play it, but it's just gunshots in Spanish. But basically, you know, security is escorting him to this waiting car, and it looks like he's getting in the car, and that's when they hit. And then you just hear all the gunshots, and the camera kind of falls to the ground, so you can't really make out that much. But this was uh, Ecuador's um, uh, presidential candidate. His name was Fernando Villa Vicencio. He was a former journalist. And now they have made some arrests. It was breaking this morning. Um, they have arrested six people. And the six, the six suspects are Colombian nationals. Quite the twist. Obviously, Ecuador has been uh, consumed by violence, all about the drug war. This candidate, this candidate uh, Via Vicencio, the former journalist, he'd been really outspoken about the link between organized crime and government officials, just like we've seen in the past in Mexico, and uh, that I've spoken quite frequently about. And this guy was gunned down outside a high school in the capital of Quito after speaking to young supporters. So the election itself is just coming in a matter of days. And uh, during the attack, a suspect was killed and nine other people were shot. Via Vicencio was 59 years old. He was polling near the middle of an eight-person race. But he was among the most vocal guys on the issue of crime and state corruption. This was the first assassination of a presidential candidate in Ecuador, which used to be considered a relatively safe nation. And it came less than a month after the mayor of Manta, a port city in that country, was fatally shot during a public appearance also. President Guillermo Lasso uh, wrote, quote, outraged and shocked by the assassination, end quote. He blamed the death on organized crime. Uh, that was a direct quote as well, the organized crime part. 
Lasso actually said the attackers had thrown a grenade into the streets as a distraction as they tried to flee, but it was a dud. It didn't go off. And um, the suspect who had been shot amid the crossfire had died shortly afterwards. So the office of Lasso said later that authorities following this assassination had carried out multiple raids and detained these six people. So it's interesting that they are Colombian, the suspects, because that reminds everybody of the assassination of Haiti's president in July of 2021. You guys will remember that extensively covered here. That was Jovenel Moisi. In that plot, they arrested at least 18 Colombians in that one. And by the way, all of those guys are still in jail in Haiti awaiting trial. So those Colombians in that case were accused of assisting in the operation to kill the Haitian leader in his home. So the nine other people shot in Wednesday's attack included two police officers and a candidate for a national assembly seat. Uh, There's no immediate information about the condition of the nine people. And uh, this is tough in a nation that's been suffering. You know, they're having all kinds of economic problems. And just a little recap about recent Ecuadorian history. If you didn't know, it's on South America's western side. And between 2005 and 2015, Ecuador had quite a revival. Millions of people rose out of poverty. They had a huge oil boom out there. And the profits from that were poured into healthcare, social programs, education. But more recently, the country has been dominated by a, guess what, powerful narco-trafficking industry. Uh, they have foreign drug mafias. They're joining forces with local gangs. And they've had um, a, a huge wave of violence. As a matter of fact, homicide rates are at record levels there. Uh, but Let me just jump in here really quick and uh, interject. For the sound quality, you guys, again, it's the quick, quickie studio that I had to set up. And, uh, and since Scottsdale is incompatible with human life in the middle of the day in August, uh, the, the AC is running nonstop. And of course, right when I do the podcast, a fucking leaf blower guy has to be walking around outside. So you, let me pause for a minute and see if you guys can hear any of this. Yeah, I don't know if you can hear that, but... It's a little distracting to me. I know in the mix when you guys hear it, a lot of those outside sounds are drowned out a little bit. So I hope that's the case. So anyway, apologies if it's a little different than usual. Anyway, back to Ecuador. Yeah, they have all kinds of shit. They've got the shit that Mexico's been dealing with for a long time. They have beheadings. They got kids being killed outside schools, shot. There's car bombings. And uh, now Lasso, the president, he disbanded the country's opposition-led National Assembly in May. And he made that move as he was facing impeachment proceedings over accusations of embezzlement. Now, that move is allowed under their constitution. It meant that new elections for president and legislative representatives would be held. So, the vote in which the deceased Mr. Via Vicencio was supposed to compete is set for August 20th. And then they do a second round of voting in October if no single candidate wins a clear victory. Uh, anything else about this? Oh, I should also point out, guys, my voice is pretty shot because me and Ian were throwing them back <laughs> last night in the bar. And uh, it was very loud music, and I waited to, like, shout to be heard, so my voice is kind of trash. So if it's more raspy than usual, again, I'm sorry about that. Uh, let's see here. Just a quick, uh, as far as the polling, who's leading in the polls? A presidential candidate uh, named Luisa Gonzalez 
is leading in the polls. Uh, Via Vincencio, the assassinated former journalist, wrote often about alleged corruption in the former president Rafael Correa's government. He served from 2007, 2017, but he still, that president, Correa, the former president, is still a big deal in Ecuador. And as a matter of fact, that Luisa Gonzalez, the leading candidate, has Correa's backing. Uh, let's see. Uh, Via, Via Vicencio actually successfully ran for a seat in that aforementioned National Assembly in 2017. And he won a seat, and he served there until that legislature was again dissolved. Yeah, so we'll uh, keep an eye on that one. What's next? Let's go to this and talk about this Iran prisoner swap. And the uh, anti-Biden people are unhappy. I can't say I blame them because... The United States has reached a deal with Iran to free Americans for jailed Iranians, but also cash. Five American detainees will eventually be allowed to leave Iran, eventually, in exchange for Iran gaining access to $6 billion for humanitarian purposes, of course. And uh, remember, because this is technically Iran's money, but still. Remember how, because we have sanctions on them, so we freeze all these assets. So basically, we're unfreezing some of them. And um, that's what they're getting access to, that $6 billion. As a first step in the agreement, which comes after more than two years of quiet negotiations, Iran has released five Iranian-American dual citizens into house arrest. And Secretary of State Antony Blinken said that... um, This is just the beginning of this process. The prisoners, again, Iranian-American, they'd all been jailed on unsubstantiated charges of spying. One of the unnamed, they only name uh, three of the five. One of the two unnamed one is a scientist and the other is a businessman. Let's see here. So they have been transferred on Thursday from Evan Prison. That's one of the most notorious detention centers in Iran to a hotel in Tehran, the capital, where they would be held several weeks until they were allowed to board an airplane. And as far as the money, that money is from Iranian oil revenue. Iran's deputy foreign minister and chief nuclear negotiator, a guy named Ali Khani, said that Iran had received the, quote, commitments necessary, end quote, from the U.S. that it would honor the deal. Hmm. And Iran's state news agency, IRNA, I-R-N-A, reported that five Iranians would be released from American prisons in exchange for the five Americans released by Iran. Uh, Iranian media, of course, presented the deal as a victory for President Ebrahim Raisi and called it, quote, honorable diplomacy, end quote. Uh, Let's see. Yeah, the U.S. will transfer $6 billion of Iran's existing assets in South Korea, putting the funds into an account in the Central Bank of Qatar. And the account will be controlled by the government of Qatar and regulated so Iran can gain access to the money only to pay vendors for humanitarian purchases such as medicine and food. Yeah, come on. <laughs> yeah. No, no, none of you believes a word of that, I assume, because I, I sure don't. Um. Let's see. Anything else? All the guys detained denied any charges of spying, of course. Um, And other than these five, Biden administration officials do not believe that there are any other Americans being held in Iran. Remember, in 2020, under Donald Trump's administration, 
Officials there conclude that Robert Levinson, the retired FBI agent who disappeared in Iran in 2007 on an unauthorized mission for the CIA, died while in Iranian custody. All right. Yeah, and people aren't happy because it's like, you know, what are we? We're negotiating with terrorists. You know, Iran is a, we consider them a terrorist government. Yeah, and, we, and now we're giving them money. Yeah, here we go. The planned release of the Iranian funds quickly generated controversy. Republicans have condemned the idea of allowing Iran to have direct access to its frozen financial assets, which could end up in the hands of their military force, the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps, you guys have all heard of them, and be used to fund and arm militants across the Middle East. And you guys will recall this also came up in 2016 when President Barack Obama settled a dispute with Tehran over a $400 million arms deal as part of an agreement to release four American citizens. And Republicans said, yeah, they, they went after that payment too. They called that settlement a ransom payment. Of course, Obama denied this. Oh, how about this though? Former President Mike Pence chimed in at this deal. He said this new arrangement, he called the new arrangement with Iran, quote, the largest ransom payment in American history to the mullahs in Tehran, end quote. Uh, speaking of Mike Pence, just a sidebar, because I don't have the video. Did you guys see the video of the Mike Pence presidential ad where he's pretending to put gas in a truck? It's, I put it on Twitter. I didn't put it on Instagram. But, dude, don't they have anybody normal in their campaigns? Because what happens is, I know this is a huge sidebar, but it's just too funny. Uh, Mike Pence gets out of a truck. He goes his his gas tank the 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 metal part that's already open, and apparently the gas cap's already off because Mike Pence just gets out of the truck. He's talking about how gas is expensive in the commercial. He gets out of the truck and he just reaches over and grabs the gas nozzle and puts it in the tank. So he never takes a gas cap off. He never pays for the gas. He never selects a uh, a, a fuel. An octane, you know, so you hear the thing beeping in the background the whole time. And then he does, and he doesn't pull the handle to dispense any gas. He just holds it with his hand and he's sitting there pretending like he's pumping gas. It looks fucking ridiculous. I like Mike Pence. I'm like, come on, bro. <laughs> Isn't there one person who's like, hey, you know, I, I've pumped gas before and maybe we should make it look real like you're actually pumping gas? I don't know. Anyway, I know, huge sidebar, but it was too funny not to mention. What else? Let's go. A lot of you guys sent me this one. Let's go to this fucking pedophile ring that came out of the killings of those FBI agents. This is a crazy story. On February 2nd, 2021, two FBI agents were killed when a suspect in a child abuse case opened fire on them as they tried to search his Florida apartment. I remember covering this. So now... The FBI has announced the outcome of the investigation the agents were part of, which had grown into an international operation following their deaths. And they're saying that it resulted in 98 arrests and 45 convictions of members of an online pedophile ring in the United States and Australia. Yeah, dude. Um, they had a joint news conference between the two countries' law enforcement, the U.S. and Australia. And they said, yes, yeah, 79 arrests in the U.S., resulting in 65 indictments and 43 convictions. Hmm. I hope they're still under, because 43 convictions out of 79 is not a great percentage, but maybe some of the cases are still going. Uh, and then in Australia, police charged 19 men and convicted two. Hmm. Again, let's hope that they're, 
those cases are still going on. But they are calling these uh, people like basically members of a really sophisticated online child abuse network. They shared pedophile materials through the dark web. They used encryption to avoid detection. The two FBI agents in 2021 who were killed, that was Daniel Alfin and Laura Schwarzenberger. And they were searching, uh, they were about to execute a search warrant in Sunrise, Florida. The suspect, David Huber, opened fire as the agents approached his apartment. He killed them and injured three others, and then he was found dead inside the apartment after offing himself. That had been the first time FBI agents had been shot dead in the line of duty since 2008. And in 2008, that was when Special Agent Samuel Hicks, 33 years old, was killed while serving a search warrant near Pittsburgh. Um, so the Australian operation began in 2022 and the FBI shared information about local members of the network who were sharing, and in some cases creating, pedophilia materials. Gross. And they said it was very complex because these guys were technologically sophisticated. Uh, some of them have been doing this for 10 years. The cops said that many of them were experienced in computing and programming. Many of them worked in IT, information technology. Yeah, dude. They're not naming names, but they said one of the men convicted in Australia was a public servant. Hmm. I mean, it's an elected official, no? I mean, I guess it could be a government worker still. Okay, let's go to, since last week I really didn't talk about it that much, let's talk about Ukraine-Russia just a little bit, but we'll start with Poland. Uh, because this is like part of the whole thing, right? Uh, Poland is going to send an additional 2,000 troops to reinforce their border with Belarus. Yeah, the, uh, one of the ministers there, the, a deputy interior minister, said deployment was, the deployment was double what the country's border guard had requested and that they would get there in two weeks. Now, he, the guy, the minister, did not specify what had prompted the decision. But as you guys know, if you've been listening, there's a lot of concerns mounting in Poland, who is a NATO member, by the way, over the presence of mercenaries from Russia's Wagner private military company in neighboring Belarus. And you know Belarus is a very much a Russian ally. Well, for those of you guys who, by the way, for those of you guys who write in and say, uh, BK, it's Wagner, I don't recognize that, okay? <laughs> I, I call them the, uh, I call them my, ing sometimes I attempt to say it correctly, but no, to me it's the Wagner group, all right? So give it a rest. Poland's prime minister, a guy named Matus Morawiecki, said last week that there were at least 4,000 Wagner fighters in Belarus. And in late July, you guys will recall, the Belarusian Defense Ministry said their soldiers were being trained by Wagner fighters near the border with Poland. And they, they were putting out videos on social media and all that shit. Uh, so, yes. What else? Anything here? Okay, so that's that story. And then as far as Russia-Ukraine proper, let's go to this one. Russia shot down two drones near Moscow overnight a few nights ago. That was on Wednesday, and this is the 12th time in the past three weeks they have reported intercepting aerial assaults in the heart of the capital. Uh, there were no casualties or damage, and air defenses destroyed the drones, according to Russia's Ministry of Defense. And uh, that's what Ukraine is going to do. President Volodymyr Zelensky of Ukraine has said that taking the war to Russia is, quote, an inevitable, natural, and absolutely fair process, end quote. Well, I mean, I can't argue with that. Russia invades your country, right? And the drone attacks came on the same day that an explosion ripped through a warehouse outside Moscow. That killed one person and injured at least 60 others, some of them very seriously. That blast 
was at a warehouse storing fireworks. And it's less than 50 miles from Moscow. Sounded like a huge bomb, dude. Blew out windows in schools. 20 apartment buildings. Jesus. Uh, yes. And anything else about actual war stuff? Well, this was interesting. Russia is apparently replicating Iranian drones now and using them to attack Ukraine. Basically, they're copying the drones they got from Iran last year and are using them in combat against Ukrainian forces. They have inspected a couple wreckage sites of two attack drones used in combat in southeastern Ukraine. Both appeared to be the Iranian drone called the Shahed-136s, but they contained electronic modules that match components previously recovered from Russian surveillance drones. And additionally, the materials used to build the two drones and the internal structure of their fuselages differed greatly from those known to have been made in Iran. That was according to the researchers, and this investigation was conducted by something called Conflict Armament Research, independent group out of Britain, and they identify and track ammo and weapons used in wars. Uh, so you guys know that these drones, this is the biggest drone war probably by far, so far in history, and they've been used extensively in combat. Some are reusable, designed for surveillance. Some of them are the suicide drones. Some of them are those little quadrocopters that can drop small grenades. We've all seen the social, videos, social media videos on that. These Shahed drones that we're discussing are the kind of kamikaze drones. They're small propeller-driven aircraft. They don't need a runway to launch, and they just explode on impact. So... The Iranian-made ones are believed to carry about 80 pounds of explosives and have a range of about 600 miles. That's, yeah, that's something. Fuck going. At, dude, I keep reading these stories about U.S. guys getting killed over there, and I'm like, dude, you, what are you doing? Get out of there. Don't go to Ukraine. Are you freaking kidding me? Watch literally any video. It's insane what's happening over there. Uh, and then, uh, let's see, and then our live updates... Uh, Zelensky, president of Ukraine, he is cracking down on corruption in military recruitment. He has ordered the dismissal, this was breaking this morning, of all the directors of regional military recruitment centers, saying that the system, quote, should be run by people who know exactly what war is, end quote. Uh, so what exactly are the corruption... Obviously, they need tons of soldiers. They're losing guys over there. It's human tragedy. Uh, apparently, there are accusations that military recruitment officers were enriching themselves while bombs are falling. And let me see. Zelensky said all of the existing heads of the centers will be replaced by soldiers who have passed the front or cannot be in the trenches because they have lost their health or lost their limbs. There are 24 regional military recruitment centers in Ukraine, and this goes for all of them. So this has been going on for a while, these accusations. Um, an investigation by a Ukrainian media outlet in June revealed that a military enlistment officer from the Odessa region in southern Ukraine had bought real estate and cars worth millions of dollars in the coastal area of Spain, so then Zelensky ordered an inspection of the entire system. And they said that opened the can of worms. There was tons of abuse. 
Earlier this week, Ukraine's State Bureau investigation said it had opened 112 cases against recruitment officers. One guy they detained, they accused of taking part in a large-scale scheme to produce fictitious documents claiming that draft-age men were unfit to serve and allowing them to leave the country for a bribe of $10,000 apiece. Okay, that's the... There's the big scam right there. Guys, remember, after the invasion last February, all men ages 18 to 60 were barred from leaving the country. And, you know, there was another article. I didn't, it's not really news, but there was another article in the New York Times about that and how it's affecting, like, relationships. And it was really sad because, like, women are leaving Ukraine, right? They've got husbands who are forced to go fight, but these women, they go out into Poland and other countries and... You know, a year goes by, they haven't seen their husband, so they start dating other people. And these guys, now they're in another country safe and having fun with a dude, and their husband is fucking wondering if he's going to die at any moment. It's fucking horrible. Uh, and then, by the way, Joe Biden is seeking $24 billion more for Ukraine. <laughs> Man, that's, again, I'll ask, how much longer... Yeah, you know, early in the war, man, everybody was on board. Hey, you know, Ukraine can basically have whatever they want. That was the mantra. And well, that that's going to be tested. It's going to be tested because this is a lot of money now. That request was part of a larger $40 billion spending package. And, and people noted that some of the money was for the U.S. border. And like it was like something like three to four billion for the United States and twenty four billion for Ukraine. So a lot of people are like, "What the hell, dude?" Yeah, this is the first time Biden has asked lawmakers to send more arms to Ukraine since Republicans took over the House in January. And yeah, there's polling shows there's a lot of weariness over this among the American public, and they're asking like, "Hey, what about what about here?" You know, so. Any details on this? Yeah, the Speaker, Kevin McCarthy, the Speaker of the House, the head of the, head of the uh, Republicans in the House, he basically said in June that any supplemental appropriation request for Ukraine was, quote, not going anywhere, end quote, and that additional aid would have to be worked out in the regular congressional spending process, which it should, dude. Like... This has to be, people have to start voting on this and putting their name. Like, let's get this on record. All these Democrats are ha in the House and Senate. They're happy to, like, have Joe Biden do all this request because that means they don't have to, like, really vote on anything. They can just vote on a huge package and, oh, by the way, some of the money is for Ukraine. And McCarthy's saying, no, 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 we're going to pass a bill for Ukraine. So you have to put your name on it now, as they should. This recent request includes $13.1 billion for military aid to Ukraine and replenishment of Pentagon's weapons stocks used for the war effort. Another $8.5 billion would go for economic, humanitarian, and other assistance to Ukraine, and $2.8 billion would be used to leverage more aid from other donors through the World Bank. Congress has already approved $113 billion in military, economic, humanitarian, and other aid in Ukraine. We, the United States, of course, are by far the largest donor to Ukraine. And, uh, yeah, the conservatives are starting to say, no, like this is one uh, Chip, Chip, Roy, uh, Chip Roy, Republican of Texas. 
he wrote on <laughs> X, Twitter. You know, every art. This is now the third article just today I've read. I've skipped over this, but where the New York Times has to say they wrote on X, the platform formerly known as Twitter. What did I tell you a couple weeks ago? I was like, nobody's going to call it X. And by the way, it's still Twitter.com. whole thing is stupid. Don't get me started. Don't get me fired up, guys. Anyway, Chip Roy wrote on X. Quote, this should be a non-starter for the House GOP. It's time to stand up for Americans and against the Uniparty. End quote. All right. We'll see what happens. Uh, I wanted to play this clip. Because you guys know the media has been... You know, I, I, I told you from the beginning you cannot trust a single thing coming out of Russia, Ukraine. You know, you'll see videos on social media and people will be like, oh, here's Russians just getting blasted. Another group will be like, those are Ukrainians. And it's like, how the fuck are you supposed to know? You know, so you have to really take everything with a huge grain of salt. So remember, Ukraine was going to have this big spring offensive. And it was expected to go very well. But I'm going to play a clip from Anderson Cooper, of all people. And, you know, I've never hated Anderson Cooper. Yeah, he's kind of a lib. But he, he always seemed to, like, be willing to hear arguments, you know, unlike the, you know, fanatics like Christopher Hayes and people like that. But Anderson Cooper is going to talk here. This is a little bit longer of a clip, but they're going to talk about this spring offensive and how it's not going very well. And this might be a wake-up call for uh, a lot of people. Let's listen. Forces invaded. It was understood they outnumbered and outgunned Ukrainian forces. So when Ukrainian troops managed early on to roll back a good deal of that invasion force, hopes were initially high they could quickly finish the job. It's not worked out that way. And now, new reporting tonight that there's growing concern among Western allies about Ukraine's counteroffensive and its fate. In a moment, we'll talk to a retired three-star general for his take. But first, the exclusive reporting from CNN's Jim Shudo, who joins us now. So what are you hearing from your sources about what they believe Ukraine's prospects are right now? A markedly negative term, Anderson, and these are sources I've been speaking to since the start of the counteroffensive, but even going back to the, to the start of the war, and expectations of this counteroffensive were quite high going back just a few weeks ago. But in recent weeks, as Ukrainian forces have encountered really intense Russian defenses in the east and the south, three lines of, of defensive lines, defensive belts, as they're known, with trenches, as you're seeing there, tens of thousands of mines, Ukrainian forces have not proven able to break through those lines. They've encountered staggering losses, I'm told, both in terms of killed in action and wounded in action. And Ukrainian commanders in response to that understandably have pulled back some of those units to, uh, to, to save some of those casualties. And, and while even a few weeks ago the hope was that over time they'd be able to break through, more recently the assessments both on this side of the Atlantic but also in Europe have been that they, they don't quite see the opportunity. So uh, that, that hope has faded, not entirely faded, uh, but, but it has certainly become a much less uh, hopeful outlook for their prospects for success and gaining back significant territory. This also takes into account, I mean, there were a large number of Ukrainian forces trained for, for a, yeah. a length of time by U.S. forces in, uh, in, in, in sort of co combined weapons tactics yeah. uh, and movement. That still has not been able to, to deal with the, the trench system, the, the mining, the, the defensive system that Russia had time to set up. No, and, and, and what I'm hearing is that the expectations may simply have been too high. When you look at the training for some of these newly supp supplied Western weapons, for instance, German Leopard tanks, 
you're seeing maybe eight weeks of training. That is not a lot of time. And the, the, the thinking is, from speaking to military officials, also diplomats, is that the idea of turning Ukrainian armed forces into a capable, credible, mechanized fighting unit in that short length of time may have been a bridge too far, that, that even with advanced Western weapons and training from the best in the business, right, that the time frame was short. And yeah, okay, let me, let me stop it there. I mean, that, that, that's a, this is a pretty damning interview. These guys were both, you know, pro-defending Ukraine, and who wouldn't be? You know, they're being invaded by a foreign country, they're being invaded by Russia, of course, we want to support them. But again, eventually, there's going to be a cost, and I just don't know how much longer it's uh, going to go. Let's keep going. Oh, you know what's funny, you guys? I just, I just realized, so like, uh, I hope this sounds okay. Again, I hate to keep interjecting about the sound, but I just realized that uh, on my microphone, I have a little sock, you know, for an anti, like, blow, that sound. And when I took it out of the bag, the sock thing that covers the microphone fell off. And I just started the podcast and recording, and I didn't even notice it. So I hope, I hope I'm not coming across as all the story or anything. I'm not going to stop and put it back on. It's too late. Okay, uh, let's go over to West Africa. West African leaders, this is all about the Niger coup. You guys uh, know all about this if you've been listening, but if you haven't, go back a few podcasts. You know that uh, Niger underwent that coup. So West African leaders on Thursday said they had ordered the immediate deployment of a, quote, standby force, end quote, ready to intervene against that coup in Niger. And this is amid reports that coup leaders told a U.S. diplomat this week that they would kill the elected president in response to any such intervention. You remember the mutinous generals have been holding the lawful president of Niger, Mohamed Bazaum, and his family hostage in their residence for more than two weeks. They have shunned all mediation efforts, and they ignored that ultimatum by the West African leaders to relinquish power. So the threat to kill Bazaum was made to the acting U.S. Deputy Secretary of State, Victoria Newland during a surprise trip to Niger on Monday. And that was first reported by the Associated Press. Uh, now, this has been a big deal for several powers active in West Africa, this whole crisis in Niger, including the U.S., because we have bases and troops in the country to assist in the fight against the Islamist militants. Uh, France is still there. They have faced growing resentment over their presence in the region. And Nigeria, Niger's neighbor to the south, um, they have been humbled a little bit. And the announcement of the standby force came at the conclusion of a crucial summit on Thursday in the capital of Nigeria, Abuja, A-B-U-J-A. I think they actually pronounced the J, unlike in Spanish where it's sound. Yeah, this was the regional block known as ECOWAS, the Economic Community of West African States. And they wanted to address this crisis. And President Bola Tinubu of Nigeria said, quote, no option is taken off the table, including the use of force as a last resort, end quote. The West African bloc had already threatened military intervention if Niger's president was not reinstated by last Sunday. That didn't happen. Apparently, this standby force comprises about 2,700 troops. According to official documents, several observers said they doubted it was operational, which means they have... <laughs> They're incapable. They have no weapons and all that. Uh, let's see. President 
Alasane Awatera of Ivory Coast told reporters his country would supply a battalion of up to 1,100 troops to the force alongside troops from Benin and Nigeria. Now, remember, two of the countries that border Niger, Burkina Faso and Mali, have said they would defend Niger's junta, or the military coup guys, in the event of a military intervention. So it could fucking kick off big time out in Africa. So it's pretty crazy, you know, and speaking of Nigeria, when President Bola Tinubu of Nigeria took the helm of that West Africa, of ECOWAS, that regional block, he headed it starting last month. And when he took the helm, he fucking shouted basically before a room full of fellow presidents that he would show no tolerance for military coups in an area that had faced five in less than three years. And two weeks after he said that, that's when the mutinous generals took power in Niger. So we'll see if he's just all talk. Um, anything else about Niger? Yeah, we'll see. There's an article about France's shrinking footprint, and they're pretty much one foot out the door. And why wouldn't they be? They've basically been told, we don't want you here. And then also in Africa, there's more fighting now kicking off in Ethiopia. You guys remember, we covered it a lot last year, that basically civil war they had. That was when Ethiopia was battling in the country's northern Tigray region. Well, they're at it again, now fighting between Ethiopia's military and a local ethnic militia in the northwestern Amhara region has intensified. And the government, yes, blocked the internet, and they declared a state of emergency, and they led, this led Israel to evacuate more than 200 Ethiopian Jews and Israelis. This fighting followed months-long tension over Prime Minister Abiy Ahmed's proposal to dismantle special regional forces nationwide and integrate them into their army. And these people known as the Amhara nationalists said that would undermine their own security. Um, the ethnic militia known as Fano had been allied with Prime Minister Abiy in his two-year effort to crush those rebels in the Tigray region, but now they are fighting the military. <laughs> uh, it's just never-ending there. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a tragedy. Well, speaking of tragedy, let's go to the big story this week, guys, and this is just fucking horrific. Let's go to Maui and talk about these Hawaii wildfires. The death toll has obviously increased. Um, the death toll officially is at 55 now. I've been told by several sources that it could go up significantly. So we, we have to brace ourselves for that. Um, it's, just, it's just a very... Everybody's seen it by now. You guys have all seen the social media. It's just horrible. Um, the losses are expected to grow. This is one of the worst natural disasters, if not the most worst national disaster in Hawaii's history. So Governor Josh Green of Hawaii did say that residents would be allowed to return to the devastated town of Lahaina, but basically Lahaina is completely destroyed. So that death, town, that death toll of 55, by the way, that only includes people whose bodies had been found out in the open. Rescuers haven't even gone inside buildings yet in searching for dead people. So, yeah, it, it could get pretty bad. 
a lot of search and rescue personnel are coming in. They're arriving today. Crews from California are coming. Um, officials are now facing tough questions over whether they had acted with enough urgency to evacuate Lahaina. A lot of people said they had no warnings. Authorities said the blaze had moved so quickly that it was nearly impossible to send evac orders in time. Um, there was high winds that caused big air quotes here, the deadly fire earlier in the week. We still don't know that for sure because there were several fires going on. And yes, it makes sense that a lot of it is downed power lines, but I also question that because as sources have told me there's quite a few vagrant camps on Maui. I'm not trying to, I'm, this is pure speculation on my part. This is not anything official. But all I know is in California, a huge number of our fires are caused by vagrant camps and open flames. And then the winds come in just like this, knocks over a fucking cooking stove. And that's it. I mean, the city of L.A., I, I heard a stat. I don't remember what it was, but they, they were putting out the number of fires in the county of Los Angeles that were caused by vagrants and vagrant camps. And it was staggered. It was like the huge majority. It was like shocking. So they, and they also, I looked up a stat, uh, the AP had a story where they said 85% of wildfires are man-made. Now, I don't know if that includes downed power lines, because technically that's a man-made fire, right? I mean, we made the power lines, but I don't know. So anyway, that's just my speculation. We'll see. Uh, there's no water or power on Maui's west side. Uh, six emergency shelters were open. And it's basically all hands on deck out for the state of Hawaii. Uh, I'm just looking at video here at the New York Times, and it's just these burnt cars. Just, it's just horrible. So now, you know, one of the questions is, how's this going to affect the insurance industry? Because <laughs> they're about to, they're about to find out. Hawaii, interestingly enough, has generally paid very low home insurance rates. As a matter of fact, they are the cheapest in the country because there are relatively few natural disasters in Hawaii. Um, but the deadly fires this week, this is, this is going to take billions and billions of dollars to rebuild. And this is going to make insurance companies reconsider policy rates and coverage. And they have done that before. I think I did a story about that. They did that in California. They were like, we're not going to do business there anymore. There's too many fires. It's not worth it. Yeah, here it is. State Farm, largest homeowner insurance provider in California, announced in May that they would no longer sell coverage in the state of California. In Florida, they struggle there because of uh, the storms and the hurricanes they have. Um, so, yeah, it's really sad. We'll see if Joe Biden shows up there. Uh, resident, what else around here? Miraculously, a church on Maui survived. And... Uh, yeah, there was just a, a tourists were still around because this is only on like a small part of the island. It didn't affect the whole thing. As a matter of fact, while the fires were burning, like there's still plane loads of tourists coming in. Oh my God, I'm just looking at this picture of Lahaina. It's crazy. Yeah, the, the fire has, if you're wondering, it's, it's, it's pretty much out. There's a few like little flare-ups here and there, but it's basically smoke and ash at this point. This is considered the nation's most lethal wire wildfire since the Camp Fire in California. You guys remember that one? That was back in 2018. That one killed 85 people. This could easily go above 85 people, unfortunately. There's a lot of road closures out there in Maui. Um, here's something 
in here's in 1960 there were 61 fatalities when a large wave came through the big island the island of hawaii that was like one of their um big casualty moments i guess that's according to the governor i don't really have any more detail on that damn 61 people died from a wave Oof. 11,000 people have already been evacuated. Officials are strongly discouraging new arrivals. So what caused the fire? Well, all the New York Times writes, and this is like updated, they say brush fires had already ignited on Maui and the island of Hawaii by Tuesday. Those fires were stoked on Wednesday by a combination of low humidity and strong mountain winds brought by Hurricane Dora. Here you go. What initially ignited the brush fires is unknown. All right, I'm standing by it. Just remember I said it. I know nobody wants to talk about it. Everybody would be like, oh, what are you worried about that for? We should be helping the people. Well, if you don't worry about it, it's going to happen again. And it happens all the time in California. So you better worry about it. Lahaina, by the way, is a coastal town, was, of 12,000 people. It was once the royal capital of Hawaii. Some residents, as you guys all read, had to run into the ocean to avoid the heat and flames, and they were rescued by the U.S. Coast Guard. Sheesh. A thousand acres had burned. 1,700 buildings have been destroyed. I mean, I'm looking at pictures. What do you even go back to? Like, it's just ash. Yeah, so they're, they're out of danger now. Anything else in Hawaii? I'm just looking at uh, one other tab here. Yeah, pretty much. You guys all know the deal. Very, very sad. So I hope they can rebuild. It's going to take a lot of money, and we'll see what happens. Okay, let's go to Iraq. Haven't talked about Iraq in a while, but this was an interesting story. Iraq's official media regulator on Tuesday open, ordered all media and social media companies operating in the country not to use the term homosexuality. That's right. What are they going to say instead? Well, they have been ordered to instead say sexual deviance. <laughs> oh, and get this. The Iraqi Communications and Media Commission said that the use of the term gender was also banned. Uh-oh. Oh, boy. The libs are going to want to invade Iraq again. That's right. We got to get in there. Wow. They prohibited all phone and internet companies licensed by the country from using the terms in any of their mobile apps. Now, after some heat, some government officials said uh, the decision still requires final approval. We'll see what happens. That's hilarious. A government spokesman said a penalty for violating the rule had not yet been set, but could include a fine. Now, Iraq, if you're wondering, does not explicitly criminalize gay sex but it has loosely defined morality causes in their penal code that have been used to target members of the LGBT community. Uh, major Iraqi parties in the past two months have stepped up criticism of LGBT rights with rainbow flags frequently being burned in protests. Wow. Oh, yeah. Got to send in the troops. More than 60 countries criminalize gay sex. While same-sex sexual acts are legal in more than 130 countries. Yeah, I wouldn't go to Iraq if you're gay. This is an interesting story. I mentioned Australia earlier. Let's go back there. Did you, there some family, 
three people were died after eating lunch in Australia. And apparently they they think it's due to mushroom poisoning. Yeah, this is in the Australian town of Leongatha. A woman hosted her in-laws and another couple for lunch at her house. A day later, the four guests, all in their 60s and 70s, were in the hospital with symptoms that the police said were consistent with mushroom poisoning. Three of them ended up dying. A fourth is in critical condition. So now the police have questioned 48-year-old Aaron Patterson, who hosted the July 29th gathering. So far, they have not charged her. This is huge news in Australia. Patterson did not fall ill after the lunch, nor did her two children, who were also there. Hmm. They have removed Patterson's two children from her home as a precaution. Uh, Patterson has claimed that she didn't do anything. She loved both couples. They're some of the best people I ever met. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, and a police detective said while the two couple's symptoms were consistent with poisoning by death cap mushrooms, the police had yet to confirm that had caused the deaths or that such mushrooms had been served. I didn't do an update. This is like a couple days ago. But yeah, this is a shocking story over there. By the way, death cap mushrooms are responsible for more than 90% of deaths in mushroom poisonings worldwide. They can be found in Victoria and other parts of Australia, which is probably why, dude. Would you guys go forage for mushrooms? I'm never doing that because mushrooms, like, mushrooms are weird. Like, you could eat one and it's very nutritious. You could eat another and you start to trip balls, and then you eat a third and you die. It's a strange species. I wonder how many people have died from mushroom poisoning worldwide. Now here we go. Well, I just opened up a separate tab. In China, from 2010 to 2020, a study said 788 deaths were reported. Wow, that's a lot. And that's, uh, apparently they have those death cap, mush- death cap mushrooms there too, because that's where the uh, statistics came from. Watch that one. Something will probably happen there. All right, couple, uh, let's do something. Let's go to something more fun. Well, let's talk about Hunter Biden, because that had stories breaking this morning. Uh, before I get to the special counsel that has been appointed, that was just breaking about an hour ago, let's talk about what the Republicans are saying. Uh, new detailed bank records are showing $20 million in payments to the Biden family and their partners from foreign actors in places like Russia, Ukraine, and Kazakhstan during Joe's time as vice president. House Oversight Republicans released documents suggesting Hunter and his former business partner, Devon Archer, used shell companies to hide millions of dollars in payments from overseas companies and oligarchs. Though none of the recently released records directly link payments to Joe Biden, of course. But this evidence does back up Devon Archer's testimony to the committee that Hunter was taking in large amounts of cash from foreign deals and how his father Joe was present in person during dinner meetings and sat in on at least 20 phone calls with foreign associates. For example, Hunter Biden used $142,000 wired from a Kazakh oligarch (laughs) to his shell company to buy a Porsche before setting up a dinner with his father, Joe. That's again, all I can't hate Hunter Biden. Hate, hate, you know what? Hate the game. Don't hate the player, dude. Just Hunter, man. He's out there fucking ripping crack. He's taking hits. He's snorting coke, smoking meth. Living in a tent on Venice. He's, he's in Skid Row in L.A. 
He's taking money from Kazakh oligarchs, banging hookers, driving his Porsche 140 miles an hour while filming it. Uh, this guy. I can't hate the man. Uh, the bank records also release links between Russian billionaire Yelena Baterina and the Biden family, as well as detail $1 million yearly payments to Hunter and Archer for their positions on Ukrainian oil company Burisma's board of directors. Okay. Again, I'll ask, why did they give this goofball all this money? So uh, I'm going to play a few clips. Uh, Biden spokesman John Kirby, you know, hapless, bumbling liar John Kirby, he decided to go on Fox News with Martha McCollum and talk about this a little bit. Let's hear how it goes. The president said, I never talked business to anybody. Um, but Devin Archer testified that the point of putting the phone, the speakerphone down at those meetings, which is what Peter was asking about, was just to demonstrate access, that Hunter had access to the then vice president uh, and to sell the Biden brand. So what do you say about that, John? And, and when will the president actually answer some of these questions to put some of this to rest himself? Oh, my goodness, Martha. I mean, he just did with Peter. I mean, he's the one who called Peter over and had Peter, you know, risk life and limb cutting across that barrier. I mean, he specifically called Peter over. Uh, and, he, you know, look, he knows Peter. He knows Peter's not going to ask some softball question about, uh, you know, about uh, how his vacation was. He, he knows who Peter is, and he answered that question. And I don't know what no, it's going to take. He didn't him, answer but, whether but, or not no, he Martha. was on speakerphone in those meetings, John. He just said, I never talked business to anybody. The question was about business, and he answered it consistently with what he said um, uh, so so many times before. Yeah. He's been very consistent that he wasn't talking business. But the question is, was he allowing his presence, you know, on speakerphone to speak volumes? Was he allowing that presence to say, this is my son, he has access to me, while he's talking to Ukrainian businessmen, Chinese businessmen, Russian businessmen, um, you know, after the invasion of Crimea, as KD Pavlich just pointed out? I just don't know how many times he's going to have to say no to the same question. And he said it. He said it consistently. He's been consistent about this. There were no discussions about business. Uh, with, of course uh, not. Yes. Yeah. Shut up, John. Okay. Uh, obviously, again, for the fiftieth time, the point of having Joe Biden. Joe Biden doesn't need to say anything. All Hunter's doing is saying, "Oh, and by the way, my dad here is here. You know, the vice president of the friggin' United States. He's kind of a big deal." And that's all you have to say. The messengers received. The messages sent. Now, he, he mentioned Pete Ducey, the reporter, the question. I'm going to play that one now. This is when Pete Ducey walked up to Joe Biden, and he was asking about this testimony. So let me play this exchange here. There's this testimony now where one of your son's former business associates is claiming that you... We're on speakerphone a lot with them, talking business. Is that what? Never talk business to anybody. I know you'd have a lousy question. Well, what do you? It's why is that a lousy question? <laughs> because it's not true. Thank you, Mr. President. Okay, there you have it. It's not true. He said it's not true. Okay. So, with that being said, now the news is that again, just breaking this morning, the United States Attorney General Merrick Garland has made an announcement that. That he is appointing a special counsel to investigate Hunter Biden, right? But this is a little weird because he appointed a guy named David Weiss, the U.S. attorney in Delaware. But David Weiss was the same guy who was prosecuting Hunter Biden who put together that sweetheart deal that collapsed. Remember the plea deal that collapsed about the gun possession and the acting as an agent and all that shit? So... um. 
it's a little disingenuous, I think, because I know the initial, all you guys saw is the headline. Oh, we're going to appoint a special counsel to investigate Hunter Biden. And a lot of conservatives are probably like, yeah, finally, we're going to get him. But the thing is, the Republicans were ha- planning on having this guy Weiss, this lawyer, this prosecutor who made this deal, testify in front of them. And now that he's a special counsel, he's not going to be able to testify in front of them. So see what's happening here? Yeah. Uh, right after Garland made this announcement, prosecutors filed court papers indicating that they had reached an impasse with defense lawyers over that proposed plea deal, which would have settled the tax and gun charges against Hunter Biden, making it clear they expect that case to go to trial. All right. Now I'm going to play some clips from this. Uh, this is going to just drag on. Um, it's not great for Joe Biden. And everybody keeps saying, oh, Hunter, he didn't do anything. I mean, imagine if this was Don Jr., Uh, Let me play the announcement from Attorney General Merrick Garland, or part of it anyway, uh, about the formation of the special counsel here. I'm here today to announce the appointment of David Weiss as a special counsel, consistent with the Department of Justice regulations governing such matters. In a July 2023 letter to Congress, Mr. Weiss said that he had not to that point requested special counsel designation. On Tuesday of this week, Mr. Weiss advised me that in his judgment, his investigation had reached a stage at which he should continue his work as a special counsel, and he asked to be so appointed. Okay, so basically a special counsel has certain, like, they have certain investigative powers. You guys all remember Robert Mueller and that, but I don't know why he picked the same guy as the, uh, who was the prosecutor. So... Here's a couple of clips on the news. Here's a, for example, here is, who is this? One of the reporters from CBS. Let's listen to how she analyzed it here. Former federal prosecutor I spoke to just before this event said to me the appointment of a special counsel would have the effect of delaying a resolution on the Hunter Biden matter, in his opinion. And it would certainly delay any anticipated testimony from the U.S. attorney in Delaware to Republicans on Capitol Hill who have been seeking that testimony for several months. So it's an extraordinary development considering where the two parties were two weeks ago to wrap up this years-long case, now to the appointment of a special counsel that will have these broad authorities, most importantly, to continue this ongoing investigation, Margaret. Okay, so yeah, she kind of said what I said. They, they were The Republicans were planning on having that prosecutor testify to be like, what the hell happened to this plea agreement? And now that he's a special counsel, he won't have to testify because he's still got the ongoing case. And here we go. Here's another clip coming out of NBC. Now, with this new designation, it's hard to see the distinction because Merrick Garland had said David Weiss had the full power and authority. So now David Weiss is operating in a separate lane, no need to contact the Department of Justice for his work. He is his own universe on this matter, and he retains the job job he was originally appointed to as U.S. Attorney of Delaware. Uh, There will be legal implications, Lester. There will be enormous political implications. I've been anxious to get a reaction from the White House for you. I'm glancing at my phone. I don't yet have that. As soon as we do, we'll come right back to you. All right, so this is going to drag on, and this is like all the political geeks is like they're losing it right now. But uh, anyway, and then I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, I promise, but I have to tell you, we got to go to Trump and some political stuff. Uh, First of all, let's see here. Um, We have some... Stuff about Trump and the January 6th case. Remember that Trump had posted a message on his Truth Social social media platform 
It was a vague message, but it was in all caps, and it read, quote, if you go after me, I'm coming after you, end quote. And all the libs lost their mind, like, Jesus Christ, he's threatening people now. Jesus, lock him up, mister. It could mean anything. So the, pro- but, so the prosecutors rang. They did not ask the judge presiding over that case, who is Tanya Chutkan, to issue a gag order. But they did use the message to suggest that there should be clear rules in place to keep the former president from posting online any evidence that his legal team would get through the discovery process. Um, So they're fighting about that ongoing case. And by the way, the special counsel Jack Smith in the January 6th case, he is asking a judge to set a trial date for the case in early January. He wants to get this going, does Jack Smith. The prosecutor said, um, when was this? Like yesterday. Yeah, the prosecutor said in a motion that they were ready not only to go to trial on January 2nd, but were also poised to give Trump's lawyers the bulk of their discovery evidence in the next two weeks or so. And we'll see if he wants to go. I doubt he wants to have this before the election. Uh... Oh, just going back to that motion to have Trump be able to comment on the evidence through the discovery process. Um, She has rejected his request today, as of today, to be able to speak broadly about evidence and witnesses. So she's saying you can't go on Truth Social and start blabbing about that. She warned Trump that she would take necessary measures to keep him from intimidating witnesses or tainting potential jurors. Uh, yeah, <laughs> this is, uh, he's going to jail, isn't he? Yeah, this would be great. Maybe he'll be president from jail. This will be like unprecedented. And then in the documents case in Florida, by the way, Trump and his longtime aide, Walt Nauta, pleaded not guilty yesterday on Thursday to additional criminal charges in the case, accusing Trump of illegally holding on to secret national security documents after leaving office and conspiring to obstruct the government's efforts to retrieve them. So that happened. So that's the Florida case. Now, let's go to some audio clips. Trump's been hitting the campaign trail. He had some bangers this week. So uh, let's start with him uh, talking about Chris Christie. You guys all know the former governor of New Jersey. He's uh, running for president. Uh, So here's Trump uh, commenting about Chris Christie. Let's listen. And the others are at like 12. One is at 12. I think that's the sanctimonious, but he's rapidly being caught by... Ramishwamy, who's good? No, no, Christie's, he's eating right now. He can't be bothered. <laughs> Sir, please do not call him a fat pig. That's very disrespectful. Don't call him. See, I'm, I'm trying to be nice. Don't call him a fat pig. You can't do it. <laughs> Jesus Trump. I can't wait. I just this is so entertaining. This is so I'm I'm so excited for campaign 2024. I really am. It hasn't even started. We haven't even had the con- conventions yet. Uh Christie did respond during some kind of goofy town hall. Let's listen here. He's a big talker when we're a few miles away from each other. He's got a lot to say when he's got a phone in his hand posting something on social media. We're going to know what he's really made of if we see whether he shows up two weeks from tonight or not on that stage. Because I'll tell you one thing for sure. I will be there 
and I am waiting for him. And then we'll answer him. Okay. Very low energy. Low energy, Chris. Um, and Trump is not going to go to that debate, by the way. Uh, what else from this? Uh, here's Trump on the... Remember, he's got the Georgia case as well, right? About the election fraud. He's got the... He's facing felonies in that one. Too. So here he is. He's talking about the district attorney of Fulton County in that case, who's named Fanny Willis, and he's talking about her. Wait, and I probably have another one. They say there's a young woman, uh, a young racist in Atlanta. Say racist. And they say, I guess, they say that she was after a certain gang, and she ended up having an affair with the head of the gang or a gang member. And this is a person that wants to indict me. She's got a lot of problems, but she wants to indict me to try and run for some other office. Uh, what's going on in this country is, uh, and by the way, wants to indict me for a perfect phone call. This was perfect even better call. than my perfect call with Ukraine. It's <laughs> a perfect Remember phone that call. call? That was a perfect call. This one's better. <laughs> this one is more perfect. I challenge. Uh, uh, the perfect phone call. It was a perfect. People, many people are saying this was the most perfect phone call. Nobody's ever seen a phone call more perfect than this. Is that true, by the way, about the Fulton County DA? She had an affair with a gang member? I have no idea. He's probably making shit up. Uh, and now. Here also is Trump uh, talking about uh, crooked Joe Biden. It's no longer sleepy, Joe. Let's listen to this one. Here he goes. How can my corrupt political opponent, crooked Joe Biden, put me on trial during an election campaign that I'm winning by a lot, but forcing me nevertheless to spend time and money away from the campaign trail in order to fight bogus, made-up accusations and charges. That's what they're doing. I'm sorry, I won't be able to go to Iowa today. I won't be able to go to New Hampshire today because I'm sitting in a courtroom on bullshit because Whoa. his attorney general charged me with something. All right, we'll see. Yeah, it's not really bullshit, but, uh, you know, go on, boy. Okay, uh, and then meanwhile, just quickly, uh, Ron DeSantis, he has acknowledged Trump's 2020 defeat. That's right. He stated in a new interview with NBC News, published this week, and he said, quote, of course he lost Joe Biden's the president, end quote. Yes, this is really the first time that he came right out and said it. The criticism against Trump so far has been kind of subtle. Nobody's really attacked Trump or uh, said, yeah, he deserves all this. But uh, I, that's your only shot. I've said that from the beginning. If you want to take on Trump, you got to come in both barrels, dude. you got to talk about it if you feel this way. You have to talk about how he's a criminal and how he's stupid and hires the worst people and all that stuff. But nobody so far has been doing it, and that's, they have no chance unless you do that, that you have no chance. And speaking of Ron DeSantis, he has suspended a second elected prosecutor in Florida. Hmm. He accused her of incompetence and neglect of duty for what he characterized as lenience against violent criminals. He, dis he suspended Monique Worrell, the elected state attorney of Florida's Ninth Judicial Circuit that includes Orange and Acela counties. Yeah, that's Acela, right? Yeah. And uh, the other one... Who's the other one? I'm sure it's... Oh, it's uh, Andrew Warren. He removed him in August of 2022. He was a top prosecutor in Tampa. So I guess he has the power to do that. Both of them have been Democrats, and Ron DeSantis is removing him because uh, he said they're too soft on crime. So this is what, you know, and these are, this is what, this is what I was talking about last week. You know, all you guys, all you Trump people 
We're like, ah, oh, screw DeSantis. He's goofy. Yeah, but he's doing stuff that you all claim that you want. You're always bitching about these Soros-backed district attorneys, right? The woke DAs. And here you got a guy, Ron DeSantis, and he's, he's taking him out of office. Trump never did any of that. I mean, I know Trump wasn't a governor, but still. Just saying. Uh, and then, as far as DeSantis, uh, he had a he had a, that that same interview with NBC. He kind of went after Trump over mail-in voting. You guys remember that? Let's hear Ron DeSantis talking about uh, Trump in twenty twenty. The rules for COVID. I think that was wrong. I think some of those changes were unconstitutional. When they do mass mail ballots, I think that's wrong. I think ballot harvesting is wrong. I think the Zuckerbucks were wrong. I think the fact that the FBI was working with Facebook and these other uh, tech companies to censor the Hunter Biden story uh, was wrong. And so I don't think it was the perfect election. I remember after a lot of the media was saying, this is the most secure election in history. How could it be the most secure with those millions of mail ballots going out? On the same time, at the time after the election, they were talking about Maduro um, stealing votes on the voting machines or whatever, and none of those theories proved to be true. But here's the issue that I think is important for Republican voters to think about. Why did we have all those mail votes? Because of Trump turned the government over to Fauci. They embraced lockdowns. They did the CARES Act, which funded mail-in ballots across the country. Donald Trump signed that bill that funded the mail ballots that all the Republicans ha have been so concerned about. Uh, and also with the censorship of the Hunter Biden. That was Donald Trump's FBI that was working with that. He didn't have control over his own government. So me as the nominee, we will not let them run circles around us. If there is ballot, Florida, we ban ballot harvesting, right? I think that's what you should do. If there is ballot harvesting that's allowed in like Nevada, we are going to do it too. We're not going to fight with one hand tied behind our backs. And so uh, I think all of those issues were very problematic. But at the, end, at the end of the day, you know, Donald Trump helped facilitate that whole set of circumstances. All right. There you go. Ron DeSantis kind of bringing the heat a little bit. We'll see. All right. Let's go. Let's do a story out of India. This was, I just found this this morning, too, doing my Google searches. Uh, headline, miners forced to drink urine, chilies inserted into their anuses, six people detained. And, yes, there is video. It has gone viral on social media. It shows the treatment of two miners in the district, a district in Uttar Pradesh. They were uh, accused of uh, they were uh, accused of stealing, and yeah, the, and they were forced to drink urine for some reason. These miners are aged fifteen to ten, and they forcibly made the children consume urine after inserting green chilies into their private parts. Ew. And some sort of injection can also be seen being administered to one of the children. We don't, I mean, I would play the video, but what's the point? You guys all, is there any sound to this at all? Anything good? It's loading an ad. Fuck you. <laughs> I hate you so much. Um, yeah, it's just all, and it's all in uh, Hindi anyway. Or is it? Let me see. Yeah, here we go. Kids were forced to drink urine on suspicion of theft. Shitties were rubbed on the private parts of these children. The kids were injected with petrol by brutes. Six accused arrested for assaulting kids. What is going on in Uttar Pradesh? First we saw and got you the news of how uh, a toll plaza worker was mowed down twice by a car on purpose. And now... Okay, let me just, uh, apparently that's the English language version. But she said they injected petrol, gasoline. 
Christ. All right, another gnarly story here. Ex-Las Vegas nurse pleads guilty to performing sex act in front of a cancer patient twice. 33-year-old Ricardo Medeiros is scheduled to go on trial next week on allegations he sexually assaulted a cancer patient in her hospital bed. He pleaded guilty to two lesser charges. She was 56 while she was a... uh, This is uh, Catherine Burnett. And uh, Burnett told investigators she had received sedatives and she had fallen asleep. And during the incident, Medeiros was accused of touching her breasts and, yes, performing a sex act in front of her. God. Uh, Oh, no. Oh, no. I have to... My eyes, of course, are scrolling down the page as I'm reading. Because I know the question on everybody's mind. What's the question we always ask, folks? Did he finish? Well, let's scroll down here. Um, Medeiros told Burnett not to talk about what she saw. According to cops, he told Burnett that he had people that could make sure she didn't speak again. And then police said, fluid on a napkin and on a face mask tested positive for semen. Mm. And yes, they did do a DNA test. And his DNA match. So wait, it was on a face mask? So was she wearing the face mask? Probably. So he finished on her face? Come on. Why is he allowed to... Why is he... Is he... So is he pleading guilty and still going on trial? That's unclear. Because it just said he pled guilty to two lesser charges. He had no prior criminal history. How many times do you think this guy did this? Hmm. Actually, somebody else in uh, 2020 in a lawsuit, a woman in her late 40s, claimed a similar incident, but they closed that case because they didn't have any fucking evidence. They didn't have any dried jizz on a face mask. Before, yeah, it sounds like they just pleaded it down. I hate when they do that. The four prosecutors filed the amended charges Monday. Madero's faced harsher penalties, including sexual assault against a vulnerable person. So he's, they pleaded that down. Bullshit. Why? Because prosecutors are lazy, dude. They don't want to work. All right, guys. Huge news this week, too, in the world of entertainment. One of my all-time favorite people, and I remember playing this clip like five years ago. I loved it so much. And then we didn't hear from this person for years. Anybody guess what I'm talking about? It is Lil Tay. You guys remember Lil Tay? Don't worry. I'm going to bring back some clips in a moment. This was the 15-year-old, now 15, internet personality and a rapper who rose to viral fame as the foul-mouthed, baggadocious 9-year-old on Instagram. You guys remember her? She was flexing on her haters, dude. Yeah, she'd like she'd like hold up huge wads of cast, calling everybody broke bitches, saying I'm 9. Again, I'm going to play the clips. But yeah, a statement, an unsigned statement posted to Lil Tay's Instagram account on Wednesday said the star's death at 15 years old was, quote, sudden and tragic and entirely unexpected, end quote. It also said that her older brother, Jason Tian, had at one point been in control of her account, also died. This account had had no activity since 2018. So now, though... That message has been removed, and TMZ reported that she is, in fact, still alive. She's saying that her account was hacked. Um, she said, what is this? She made a statement to TMZ. And she said, quote, my Instagram account was compromised by a third party and used to spread jarring 
information and rumors regarding me to the point that even my name was wrong. My legal name is Tay Tian, not Claire Hope. End quote. And then earlier this week, her father and former manager refused to confirm or deny her death. So, it is this. so this sounds like a scam. Like she was like, dude, I've fallen off, right? I need some attention. Well, let's play quickly just so you guys can remember. I got a few clips from her. Uh, here's uh, These are all when she's like nine, remember. Uh, what's the one I actually played first? Let me get to the video I played way back in the day because I still remember it because I, I loved it so much. Um, yeah, here she is. Here's a little Tay, guys, flexing on her haters. Hey, you guys are you guys ringing this ringing a bell now? And then uh, where's this? I think I have one for she's using the N word, which is always great. Uh, let me see if I can. Yeah, let me try this one. Let's see. I think this is one. Let me hear it. Okay. She's smoking some. She's pretending to smoke a blunt. it so much i thought i had one yeah i thought i had one where she was using the n-word i'm regretting that i don't have that one I could have sworn i pulled it up um she did like a video with jake paul back in the day and stuff like that here's the one with jake paul right here let me see if i can it's either jake or logan paul start throwing money to the ground. Yeah, there's a very skinny Jake Paul that was made, again, like five years ago. So, yeah, she's claiming she was hacked, dude. Very, very mysterious. I don't have the N-word video, sadly. But, yeah, her former manager speaking out and all this stuff and saying, like, you know, this seems to be, like, it sounds like, basically, uh, they think this was all some sort of game, you know? Like, like, to bring her back to relevance, right? Yeah, her former manager, Henry Sang, says the hacking incident probably never even occurred. Um, she's saying He's saying she's lying. And he cast doubts about it learning. He said, I report, believe the reported hacking incident may not have occurred. And yeah, he thinks this is an al there's an alternative motive. Yeah, I think this is basically a GoFundMe scam, something like that. And she got caught. So, interesting stuff. So, thank God, though, Lil Tay, still there. Thank God. Uh, let's talk about guns. By a 5-4 to four vote, the Supreme Court has revived Joe Biden's regulation of the so-called ghost guns. These are the untraced firearms. And these are made with kits that can be bought online, and then you drill a few holes. You don't have to register it because it comes as a, you know, a piece of metal, basically, or plastic, and then you drill a few holes, and boom, you have a receiver of a firearm. So... The vote was five to four. 
The administration officials said such weapons had soared in popularity in recent years, particularly among criminals barred from buying ordinary guns, which, of course, you have to have a background check and everything else. The court's brief order gave no reasons. This was an emergency application. The vote was time to four. Yep. And basically, Joe Biden wanted to crack down on these, saying that it's an emergency. So the new regulation did not ban the sale or possession of these kits and components, but it did require manufacturers and sellers to obtain licenses, mark their products with serial numbers, and conduct background checks, which defeats the whole purpose. So they did that. And you guys have all heard of ghost guns, right? I know you did. Uh, but if you didn't, this was a big deal by Joe Biden. He said he was really pushing through this. And the regulation that Joe Biden, that the court had originally blocked, was uh, issued in 2022 by the ATF. And that broadened the ATF's interpretation of the definition of firearm, right? And... You know, traditional firearms are made by licensed companies, you know, bought from licensed gun dealers, et cetera, et cetera. That's what most guns are. So in contrast, a ghost gun is sold in parts and then can be assembled at the home of an unlicensed buyer. So before this rule, there was no need to pass a background check to obtain the components of a ghost gun. They are sold online as do-it-yourself kits, and they are typically shipped as what they call 80% lower receivers. That means the gun is 80% complete and that the buyer has to assemble the final 20% themselves. And these ghost guns were not required to have serial numbers. So that's the ghost gun. So they have in reinstated the rule for now until they can do a bigger hearing for it. What else? I still have so many tabs here. So many audio clips as well. Uh, let's do... Which one? Oh, let's do this one. I put this out on Twitter, Bravo Kilo Actual. Supposedly, an infant was decapitated during birth, according to a Georgia couple's lawsuit. Yeah, they filed a lawsuit this week against a doctor, a hospital, nurses involved in the delivery of their first child, and they claimed that the obstetrician had used too much force during the procedure, resulting in the decapitation and death of their baby. This hospital, Southern Regional Medical Center in Riverdale, Georgia, it's by Atlanta. And they said that the hospital tried to conceal that their son had been decapitated and discouraged them from seeking an autopsy. So according to the suit, the doctor, Tracy St. Julian, I don't know if that's a man or a woman, applied excessive force on the baby's neck and head during an attempted vaginal delivery in early July, separating the head from the body. No way. Hmm. Yeah, apparently the baby's shoulder was stuck in the vaginal canal. And, um, you know, most of the time that's no big deal. You just kind of calmly keep the, you know, you keep the, the cord intact. So the baby is getting the nutrients it needs and you just like work it out and it slowly works itself out. That's called dystocia, by the way, when the shoulder gets stuck. And most of the cases are relieved without any injury. And they are saying... Dr. St. Julian did not use proper maneuvers and applied excessive traction. Oh, it is a female. Female doctor. Let's see here. The baby's legs and torso were delivered through a C-section because I guess they had to get one. The mom, Ms. Ross, eventually had to make multiple requests. Just give me a C-section. And then they said the baby's head was delivered vaginally. No way. <laughs> 
<laughs> I know. What do you guys on Twitter? When you guys are like, dude, you can't rip a head off. Like, what about all the skin and stuff like that? Um. Oh no. According to the lawsuit, the couple was permitted to view their child only from afar, during which the baby was wrapped in a blanket with his head propped in a manner that concealed the decapitation. The mom and dad did not learn the details of what had happened to the son until days later when the funeral home alerted them, Hey, you know your head's not attached to the baby? Jeez. (laughs) My buddy on Twitter was like, dude, you couldn't do that. And I was like, dude, watch me. I, I said, I could rip a head off an infant. Not that I ever would, obviously. I'm just talking purely as a intel, you know, mental exercise. Could I rip a head off a newborn? Probably. But it does seem like it would take a lot. I suppose if the baby was caught in something, though, and you pulled hot enough, there you go. So that's a, that's a tough story. Well, And again, take it with a grain of salt. Because at first I was reading it, it's like it was just all the defense lawyers claim, like decapitation, that word. But I mean, it sounds there's an awful lot of detail. Like the funeral home, they would know too. They're going to be testifying. So it does sound like the head was off the body. Crazy. All right. What else do I have? Uh, let's do what else? Oh, there was a shark attack in New York City. It's the first shark attack in years. A 65-year-old woman was bitten by a shark Monday at Rockaway Beach. They say this is the first confirmed shark bite in New York City waters in decades. This was Tatiana Koltunyuk. It's bitten on the left leg while she swam near Beach 59th Street, if you know the area. Uh, Lifeguards got her out of there. Uh, Sounds like she's going to be okay. When's the last time? Oh, check this out, though. The police report indicated that Koltunyuk had lost about 20 pounds of flesh. Oh, but pictures published online showed that while her wound was serious, that figure was probably a significant overestimate. Uh, She's 50 years old. Any records on the last time this happened? There have been 20 unprovoked shark attacks in New York State since 1837. The biting on Monday was the first confirmed shark attack in New York City since the 1950s. Yeah, they had one for in 1958 when a when man was bitten by a harpooned shark after promo, uh, provoking it. Yeah, don't do that. Uh, let's see. Well, my tab, by the way, you guys, the Wi-Fi in my Airbnb is not great. So... Um, Bear with me because it takes a minute for these pages to open up. Uh, A lot of you guys sent me this one. Yet another chick banging a dog. What is going on? Yes, I think this is the third week in a row. I keep having to check, like, is this the same story? No, it's a different one. Michigan woman Brittany McClure, 30 years old, has been arrested for performing a sex act on her dog Max after her then-boyfriend found disturbing footage on security camera and gave it to the police. Um... She has been charged with sodomy, yikes, and animal abuse. Detectives said, oh, there's good detail in this at least. She performed oral sex on the dog and tried to get him to reciprocate the act. Ew! God, she blew the dog. She blew the dog. No, no. I don't know. Max probably was not hating it. Uh, no, McClure was lying on a mattress on a living room floor and was heard calling the pet a, quote, good boy, end quote. And yes, she 
did she film it or was this a security camera? Okay, it was a home, it was a home surveillance camera, so she wasn't purposely filming it. Oh man. Um, the investigators watched all six minutes of the video and said, uh, "Yeah, it was pretty clear." <laughs> Come on, you guys, you cops, you got to start putting this out. You got to start. All my law enforcement listeners, you get these disgusting videos, you got to leak it, leak it on the Reddit or something. You know? Oh man, so gross. Another one. I don't know what's going on with these women, dude. They're banging dogs or sucking off dogs or getting sucked off by dogs. Uh, not great. Uh, in Ohio, they had an election, and it was all about abortion. It was a GOP-led proposal that it would have made it tougher to uh, protect abortion rights. Well, Ohio voters resoundingly rejected it. This was called Issue 1. And it keeps in place a simple majority threshold for passing future constitutional amendments rather than the 60% majority that was proposed. Um, so, yes, uh, voter opposition to the proposal was widespread, and uh, this thing won pretty handily. So, in other words, the... Um, yeah, let me just see here. Made it, yeah, okay. So, yeah, they rejected this, would have made it more difficult to change the constitution, right? Because they wanted to make it a 60% majority. Well, right now it's just a simple majority. And they, this was a big thing. Uh, they, they were basically saying, like, well, this was all about abortion. What else did they say here? Yeah, here we go. Abortion was not directly on the special election ballot, um, but. Ohio Republicans place this question on a summer ballot in hopes of undercutting the citizen initiative that voters will decide in November that seeks to sh enshrine abortion rights in the state. Okay, I get it. Well, it lost pretty handily. And I'll just go again. You know, there's a lot of fucking other issues that are way more prevalent to people than abortion. And I don't understand these Republicans who are constantly pushing it. It's like, dude, you're just going to lose. You're, you're going to lose. Because most, a lot of conservative people, and in some issues, myself included, don't think abortion should be illegal, and you're wasting a lot of time on it. And I thought you want to be consistent. I'm consistent. Your body is your last autonomy in life. That's the that is the ultimate freedom. What you do to your body, that goes for vaccines, goes for terminating a pregnancy, and everything else. That's why BK is consistent. You know. You shouldn't, nobody should be able to tell you what to do with your body. Period. End of story. That's my opinion. It's the correct one. It's my opinion. Uh, let's do some more videos here. Uh, let's start with, well, okay. I want to play this. Did you guys, do you guys remember who Henry Ruggs is? A little bit of an update here. This was the football player who was 24 years old. And he killed that chick on the Las Vegas Strip in 2021. Remember, he was driving drunk at over 155 miles an hour. And he hit a chick from behind. He killed her. Well, he was, he got sentenced. He was already been convicted. He got sentenced to a three to 10 year sentence, which is barely anything. So, I mean, he's pretty stoked. Well, the reason I bring it up is not only for the review, but OJ Simpson, of all people, decided to talk about it on his Twitter. And O.J. Simpson was blasting it, saying, hey, he needs more prison time than this, which is obviously ironic coming from O.J., but I thought it was funny, so I thought I'd play. Here is O.J. talking about Henry Ruggs. Let's hear what O.J. says here. 
if I can get it to play with the uh, fucking... Here we go, here we go. Here we go. Hey, X-World, it's me, yours truly. Now, I know I went to college on a football scholarship, but somehow this map is not adding up to me. You're driving a car at roughly 160 miles an hour on a public street and end up killing a girl and her dog and you get three to ten years. You go to a hotel room that you're invited to to retrieve your own personal stolen property, property I now have because it was ruled to be mine by the state of California, and you get nine to 33 years. Same courthouse, same city, same state. I don't know. Somehow it just does not add up to me. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> That's so funny, OJ. You're so funny, OJ. OJ, come here. Come here, OJ. Here, I'm going to Here, OJ. Oh, I can't stop laughing. OJ, the reason the judge gave you 9 to 33 years for trying to retrieve your own property, breaking, because you got away with brutally murdering two people. And that was payback. And I'll just come right out and say what it was. And that was payback. And zero people, myself included, have a problem with what that judge in Las Vegas did by sentencing you to nine or 33 years. Again, because you belong on the end of a rope swinging from a lamppost for brutally murdering two young people, including your ex-wife. So anyway, OJ, just thought that's why you should know if you're confused about why your sentence was stiffer than the one that Henry Ruggs got. Very good. Let me see. Uh, let's go. Oh, that's this. Here's a crazy story. I know a lot of you guys are into hunting and hunting hogs. You know, like javelina, wild boar, whatever you want to call them. Well, three hunters died in Texas while they were hunting hogs. The story's crazy. Yeah, it was three hunters trying to rescue a dog that had fallen into an underground cistern in Texas. So this is a four-person party. They planned to meet up with a friend to go hog hunting. When one of their dogs escaped their truck, this is uh, and the dog ran into a cornfield. This is outside of Austin. So once in the field, a dog the dog fell into a hole that led to the underground cistern. Right, and then the three people tried to save the dog and then each other. There were three Florida residents. Delvis Garcia, Denise Martinez, and Noel Bettinas, 37, 26, and 45 years old, respectively. And, yeah, uh, one of the members of the hunting party is believed to have jumped into the cistern to save the dog. And then the two other victims also got in the hole, probably to rescue the first person, while the fourth person went to the truck to call for help. Uh, the water in the cistern, the water level, was way below the opening of the hole at the ground level, so they couldn't get out. Uh, if you didn't know, a cistern is an underground reservoir. It's commonly used for providing water to homes in rural areas. And the cistern was apparently filled with water and giving off strong fumes similar to those of a septic tank. And response, responders recorded high levels of hydrogen. And they think that the levels of hydrogen affected the buoyancy of the water and caused these three people to sink. Like, they couldn't even stay afloat because the chemical was making the water less buoyant than it normally would be. 
Damn. And then, you know, it took them a while to get the bodies out because they weren't sure of the structural integrity of the tank, the presence of the gas. And they had to pump all the water out and they had to ventilate all the fumes out. And uh, actually, they, de they deployed a small drone to look inside. And then they lowered a responder into the cistern. And they found three bodies. Ugh. Yeah, dude. It was on private property. Really sad, dude. Gotta be careful, man. Now, I don't, uh, dude. I know you want to rescue the dog, but I'm not gonna jump. I mean, you see from the top, right? Hey, if I jump in there, look how low that water level is. Even if you weren't aware of the smell and the fumes, you could see like if I get in there, I can't come back out. So somebody at least tie a rope to me or something. And they didn't. Hey, you remember that story last week of the Chicom spies in the U.S. Navy? Yeah, we got a little update on that. One of the moms of one of those U.S. Navy sailors who's been charged with providing sensitive military information to China encouraged him to cooperate with a Chinese intelligence officer. She told her son it might help him get a job with the Chinese government someday. You believe this shit? Yeah, dude. This was uh, Jin Chiao Wei. He was the sailor. And this is going on in federal court in San Diego. And Assistant U.S. Attorney Fred Shepard is urging the judge not to release Jin Chow because he's like, yeah, this is a whole thing with his mom. Prosecutors did not name the woman in court. Nobody could find her. But Wei is one of the two sailors based here in San Diego, accused of providing that sensitive military information. And he's been charged under the Espionage Act. Remember, Wei was born in China, and he was approached by a Chinese intelligence officer in February of 20, 2022 while he was applying to become a naturalized U.S. citizen. Unbelievable. Dude, you know what? This is what I'm saying. This just goes to my theory. We don't vet anybody coming in. I mean, how are you going to let a whole chai family come in? And not have him. And the mom is telling him, oh, no, you get you, you go to work for, you work for America. Then you work for a Chinese communist and you get a good job. Like, F you, dude. Kick him out of here. Arrest Lock that mom up, too. Uh, let's go to the Utah shooting. Do you see this nut job? This Craig Robinson who was killed. Craig Robertson. He was killed by the FBI in a pre-dawn raid. Okay. Yes. Craig Robertson, 75 years old, obese, and walked with a cane. He was shot and killed at his Provo, Utah home at 6.15 a.m. on Wednesday morning because he was making threats to kill Joe Biden online. Okay? Now, I don't have any sympathy, really, but I'm just, as I said on Twitter, this tweet blew up. What is it with the FBI doing pre-dawn raids against obese old men? Like, remember they did this to Roger Stone in Florida? They sent, like, a 20-man fucking SWAT team <laughs> to go raid his house. And I'm like, dude, why don't you guys... I've, I always, I've always criticized, these, criticized these raids. And you cops, most of you guys, are, a lot of you guys do agree with me, the cops I talk to. But I've asked cops repeatedly, why don't you just wait until they go fucking get gas or get some groceries and then come up behind him in the grocery store on either side and put the cuffs on. Why don't you do that? Instead, the FBI fucking kicks this dude's door in at 6 a.m. They brought like, and they had an MRAP out there or some kind of armored vehicle, 20 dudes in like full kit. And I'm like, really? Obviously it's to send a message because otherwise, why aren't they doing this to all these fucking gang and cartel kingpins all over the United States? 
Now, that being said, this guy is a giant fucking crazy idiot. Um, I'm going to read some of the stuff he wrote, and he was a gun nut. And, we, and I should point out, by the way, we still don't have all the details. So there's no word on if the FBI got in the house and he pointed a gun at them. Did he shoot at them? Did he have a gun on him? I don't know any of that. And obviously, if he did, they're more than justified in killing him. But you could have avoided the whole thing, is my point. And by the way, doing it my way, some of these, it's way safer for the officers. You don't know what the fuck you're going to get when you storm into a house at 6 a.m. Besides, what the guy thinks, and it's happened before. We saw Breonna Taylor, right? They think the cops are coming in. They don't know you're cops. They think you might be intruders. They start shooting, and then somebody's dead, and maybe a cop dies. I, I just, I don't, I do not get... The necessity for these things. You have a surveillance. You have a you have a guy watching the outside. Okay, hey, looks like he's going on his morning walk to the park, and just come up to him in the park. What what's the big deal? But this guy was a nut. He had all kinds of pictures of himself and Kit. Um, you know he 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 said shit on the you know he yeah he was a product. He he definitely said shit on Facebook. The boomers like to do that. But where's some of the stuff he said? Oh, here we go. Yeah, months for months, Robertson had been posting threats on what is believed to be his Facebook page. One post reads, quote, There is only one creature in this universe I hate more than Joe Biden. It's Lucifer, Biden's brother, end quote. Uh, he wrote, quote, Hey, FBI, you still monitoring my social media? Checking so I can be sure to have a loaded gun handy in case you drop by again, end quote. Yikes. And then he wrote, because Biden, remember, was visiting Utah, and he wrote, quote, perhaps Utah will become famous this week as the place a sniper took out Biden the Marxist, end quote. Another one, quote, in my dream, I see Joe Biden's body in a dark corner of a D.C. parking garage with his head severed and lying in a huge puddle of blood. Hurrah! Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point, end quote. Yeah, you know, I, I clearly a nut job. Uh, and, and yes, the FBI is more than justified in checking that out for sure. But I, I just don't see the need to bring the 20 guys in full kit, an armored vehicle, and everything else. And, and, and yeah, it's entirely possible the guy said, fuck it, and he had his gun on him. Maybe he didn't know they were I don't know. We don't know any details because the FBI is not talking. So I'm not bagging on You guys know I support law enforcement. I'm just saying it seems there's a better way, especially for obese old men who walk with a cane. Just saying. All right, let's go in some more uh, audio clips here. See if I can get some good ones. Uh, what's this one? Uh, this is hurry up and open. My God, slow Wi-Fi. That's going in the Airbnb review, by the way, the slow Wi-Fi. Um, this one. Oh, yeah, this, uh, this guy. I don't know where this is. This guy is holding a dude. He's trying to steal his car. This must be a very rural town because this dude's got a handgun. He's pointing at a guy who's laying face down on the ground with his hands out. He's basically making a citizen's arrest. But this handgun has one of those 30-round extended magazines sticking out of it. So this must be a very red state. Uh, but it's a black dude holding another black dude at gunpoint until the cops come up. Let's hear how this is uh, going on here. I put my gun down when they pull up. I'm going to put it down. Yeah, man, he thought he was going to jump in my car and pull out. And it's a stick, nigga. Can you even drive a fucking stick? 
Hands out, cops coming up. Ma'am, the officers are on the scene. The officers are on the scene now. Okay, go ahead. Okay. All right. Hey, my man, here go your phone. Is it okay if I uh, give my guy his phone back? Yeah, nigga thought he was going to take something. Puss-ass nigga. What wrong with these niggas, man? Oh, my mama wanted to shoot that nigga so bad. All right, there he goes. Citizens arrest. I love it. I, 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 where is, yeah, that, that gun is a hell of a gun, dude. The 30 round magazine. Yeah. You'd be fucking going straight to prison if the cops in Cali rolled up. Here was a woman in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Apparently a group of Latino gentlemen crossed the street in front of her and it angered her so much. She gets out of her car. She is a white woman and uh, decided to make her feelings heard. Let us listen to this from Did Albuquerque. You Alright, so like this goes on in segments, but I wanted to get because she keeps coming back. Yeah, he's pointing out some of you Spanish speakers will understand. Yeah, when is she coming back? Let me just talk until she comes back. But she's like doing laps. Oh, here we go. Uh, I think I just thought it was funny that the Mexicans who barely spoke English, like immediately, did you hear in the beginning, they're like, racista, racista, which means racist in Spanish. So as soon as she was like, go back to your country, they're like, racista, like they know how to play it. That's great. Good for them. Uh, let's see. Got to do some more headlines. How much time do I have? Oh, shit. I'm almost running out of time. Uh, am I running out of time? No, I got I got some time. I'm losing my mind here. Uh, this one was going around. Let's talk about this northern Arizona family. One of you guys sent me this and requested that I talk about it specifically. I don't know if you have ties to the family or not, but um, there's been a 16-year-old kid missing for nearly a month in northern Arizona. This is 16-year-old Jarrett Brooks, and he went missing July 4th, 2023. An anonymous donor is offering $50,000 for information. Um, so apparently, he was just gone. They said he was last seen on Boyce Road in Joseph City. This is in Navajo County, Arizona. Around 6.30 a.m. on July 4th. And he was just a few miles from home. Um, so he had gotten in trouble with his mom, apparently. He broke a vehicle. He took off-roading when she when he wasn't supposed to. So she told him he was grounded. And that was it. And then she thought that was right around the time that he was last seen. Or he, like, he, she said that. Sorry, this, this is a little convoluted. She said that, and then he left the house. And she thought he had gone outside to walk the dog before going to a 4th of July parade. But then she never saw him again. So anyway... 
If you guys are in northern Arizona, please keep an eye out for that. And again, there's a $50,000 reward. A Queens doctor is in big trouble. New York City doctor Xi Allen Cheng is facing over 20 sex crime charges after drugging and raping at least six women. And yes, he filmed them. This guy was a big deal. He's 33 years old. He's a gastroenterologist at New York Presbyterian Queens. He was actually arrested in December, but now he's being charged. And he was arrested in December after his girlfriend claimed that the doctor had knocked her unconscious at his apartment using a surgical mask stuffed with cotton balls soaked in an unknown liquid. She said she didn't remember anything after she woke up, but she found a video of Chang sexually assaulting her along with footage of him attacking other women. And then prosecutors started looking into it. They found the videos and they also found drugs, including fentanyl, ketamine, LSD, and surgical anesthesia in his house. So he's been indicted on three counts of rape, 10 counts of predatory sexual assault, seven for sexual abuse, and four counts of assault. His victims include both patients and women he was dating. Dude, I'm looking at a pic. He just looks like a normal Asian guy. Like, obviously super successful and smart. And, uh, dude, you don't know what the hell's people's kinks are, man. Prosecutors say he gave one victim a rectal exam that was not necessary for her gallbladder treatment. <laughs> God. Known victims range in age from 19 years old to 47 years old. Damn, dude. Um, yeah, that's, that's going to make some waves. And let me just give you guys a hint to the big finish. That's not even the worst doctor story I have for you this week. So there's your hint. Let's go to the border. Uh, well, this is border adjacent. Let me start with this. Uh, let's go to uh, San Diego, San Diego area. A woman who worked for the Department of Homeland Security Office that manages complaints from immigration detainees has been charged by federal prosecutors while having a sexual relationship with the detainee at the Otay Mesa Detention Center. 36-year-old Chantal Hernandez is accused of having an ongoing relationship with the unidentified detainee while she was working as a case manager at the Office of Immigration Detention Ombudsman. That is an office within the Department of Homeland Security. And this is when an uh, illegal alien wants to complain that his rights are being violated. That's who takes care of it. Uh, so the U.S. Attorney's Office got, uh, the DHS said they got a tip indicating Hernandez was, quote, spending an unusual amount of time with the detainee, end quote. So then they decided to look into her phone calls and found a number of sexually explicit phone calls. <laughs> Apparently they can, they were recording some of this. In one of those phone calls, Hernandez allegedly told the detainee she had a video of a sex act they engaged in, and investigators later discovered a copy of that video. Hmm. Crazy. Yep. So, yeah, she's, uh, she's in trouble. Now, let's go, as long as we're talking about DHS and all that, let's play some clips from the border. Let's start with reporter Bill Malusian. And he's talking about the huge numbers of immigrants that continue to stream across the border illegally. Let's go Harris, to the uh, triple digit heat stops nothing out here, as you know well. And the numbers are surging. Multiple sources telling me that yesterday alone, just over 6,000 migrants were apprehended by Border Patrol after they crossed illegally. That is a huge increase over what we were seeing in late May. 
in June. And we want to show you what, uh, what also happened yesterday in Brownsville. Take a look at these images. This is the Brownsville Port of Entry, the Gateway International Bridge, where a large group of several hundred migrants tried rushing it in the early morning hours after false rumors spread that the border was essentially going to be open. You can see CBP responded by deploying razor wire and deploying personnel in the middle of that bridge to block all of these migrants. We are told nobody ended up getting through, but this is the sort of thing we've seen happen multiple times this year alone as these rumors continue to spread amongst okay so you guys heard it and this is just going to keep going man and remember biden's rule remember his compromise and i said at the time wow on paper that sounds good remember biden's new rules said that in exchange for doing the cbp1 app and all that if you are caught illegally between ports of entry you will be deported and your claim of asylum will be a non-starter that's what joe biden said and i said at the time yeah that sounds great Let's see if it's actually enforced. But there were 6,000 guys arrested because they crossed illegally. So in theory, all 6,000 should be deported immediately, swiftly, right now, yesterday. Uh, and then I've been talking about what Governor Greg Abbott did in Texas with the floating barriers. And the libs are losing their minds about this. The funny thing is, like, nobody cares because everybody rightly is like, hey, if you don't want to get injured by a barrier covered in razor wire, then probably don't try to swim up to it and cross over it and illegally enter a foreign country. I don't know. But uh, here you're going to hear Representative Joaquin Castro, huge lib out of Texas. I think he's in San Antonio representative. And uh, he's talking about those floating barriers. It's just barbaric myth there. Uh, so I wanted to hear uh, the other side here. And uh, here's Representative Castro talking. You see that they're basically treating these asylum seekers, these human beings, like animals. You see the razor wire here. You see right over there those uh, barrel traps that have concertina wire on them. You see clothing of, of people, including kids, that are that's stuck to the wire, literally stuck to the razor wire. They're forcing Border Patrol to stay away from some of these areas when it's the Border Patrol that actually has responsibility. Uh, for all of this process. All right, so, yeah, and it, he goes on to say, for some reason, the video clipped out there. He goes on to say and just bitch about it, and I just keep saying, dude, it's not barbaric. Every country in the world has physical border protections in areas. Stop. It's just not working. People don't care. Uh, Eric Adams from New York City, the mayor, he's been making waves because he continues to battle with, for him, large groups of illegal immigrants that are being shipped there and he's starting to buckle and here he is complaining to cbs morning show like hey and you have to you have to hear these clips you remember eric adams famously said new york city sanctuary city we welcome all no human is illegal all that bullshit so let's uh, he's changing his tune well, think about what happened in the last few um months uh, we have created a funnel all the bordering states have now took the funnel right to New York City. New York, is the, New York City is the economic engine of this entire state and country. Mm. If you decimate this city, you're going to decimate the foundation of what's happening. Look at Chicago, Los Angeles, uh, Houston, and now you're hearing the governor of Massachusetts. And so when people say what well, they have, we gave them a $100 million, $12 billion bill? Yeah. I mean, we're so table, what do you think, when you see all the people that are just laying in the streets, you walk by, it is jaw-dropping. Yeah. And the numbers keep coming and coming when you think... 
there's I, I don't have any more room at the end so to speak along with the unhoused people we already have yeah unhoused exactly. shut up exactly and think about the miracle that took place over the last year in april when this really started coming from a governor who wanted to use people as pawns <laughs> when you do uh, he's stopping there. He's talking about Greg Abbott and Ron DeSantis. Use people as pawns. No, he's not using them. He's asking, hey, you want to go to New York City? They're a sanctuary city. They said you're welcome. And the immigrants are like, see? And so they do. They send them. So stop complaining. I have one more for him. Uh, here he is speaking. He's calling for a state of emergency. This is going to come to a neighborhood near you. Having someone embedded is a good start. That, that came from the Secretary of Homeland Security. We want to thank him. But I've been very clear on what we need. We need to control the border. We need to call a state of emergency. And we need to properly fund this national crisis. Oh, boy. That's, uh, and Joe Biden and his administration are ignoring him completely. So it's always more money. We don't need more money. Just need to deport people swiftly, and then the message will get out, and they'll stop coming right away. But uh, nobody listens to me. Let's see. This was, You guys have all heard, especially you military veterans, you guys remember the hot days. It's been hot out lately. It's August. And you guys all remember hearing stories about people getting sick from drinking too much water, right? Water intoxication. Well, a young mother just died from this in Indiana. She's only 35 years old. Ashley Summers was celebrating the 4th of July on a lake in Indiana. We sh she started to feel dehydrated, right? So she was drinking a lot of water. Her brother said she drank the equivalent of four 16-ounce bottles of water in 20 minutes and then collapsed inside the garage of her home. Uh, her brother said she felt dizzy and had this headache. They got home. She walked across the garage to go into the house, and she passed out in the garage. And then, it's a, yeah, it happened back then, but now the, you know, the autopsy is coming out. And, and the brother said doctors told the family that Summers had died of water intoxication. It's a rare but dangerous condition caused by drinking too much water too fast. Remember, you guys, you got, water doesn't have the electrolytes. So if you drink a shitload of water, it'll just, you'll piss out all the electrolytes that you need to keep your heart ticking. So, you know, you, you need all three. Sodium, potassium, calcium. Those are the three uh, electrolytes. They conduct the electrical signals from your heart. So every, every time one of them is askew, your levels of one of those three electrolytes... Doctors get concerned because it could disrupt the electrical pathway, the cardiac activity, and then you fucking have a heart attack. And she died. Very, very sad. Yeah, the general recommendation is two liters of water per day on average per person. And that's throughout the day. You don't want to be chugging more than one liter of water per hour. Um, now, silver lining, she was an organ donor, which all of you should be if you're not. And they uh, are going to donate her heart, her lungs, her liver, her kidneys, and her long bone tissue. How about that? But sad story. Yeah, you got. You have to like. Uh, you can pick up packets of oral rehydration salts. They're flavorless. Or you can do what I like to do: have a little Gatorade, and I mix like I'll do a half water, half Gatorade drink, and that way you're uh, getting your electrolytes. All right. Uh, let's do this story. This is, you guys, I know I love the cryptocurrency scams. 
How about this one? Michael Holloway was scammed out of his entire retirement savings by online criminals. He fell for a scam known as pig butchering. Yeah. He lost half a million dollars, his home, and his wife. Americans lost a record $2.57 billion to cryptocurrency investment fraud in 2022, according to the Federal Trade Commission. Yeah, so Michael Holloway, 62-year-old real estate agency, uh, and, and it was kind of a honey trap. It was fucking chicks. They lured him in with fake relationships before persuading him to drain his entire, entire retirement. Like, obviously, this guy's a huge dummy. Uh, yeah, dude, he was ready to end his life. So they call it pig butchering because they say they fatten up their victims before being butchered by fraudulent investment advice. And it's happening a lot. Um, so, yeah. Michael would make a successful deal. He'd post on social media, and then he started getting random people hitting me up, and they would always mention cryptocurrency investment. And he would say, forget it. I knew what they wanted, and I was on to them. But then in early December of 22, a woman called Hui Hui, who said she was from China, reached out to him. I was complaining to her that so many people were trying to get me to invest. It kept on like a friendly chat at first, he said. Michael admitted that he was having some trouble in his marriage, and he was in a vulnerable mindset. Then the online conversation turned romantic. That is when Hui Hui brought up investing in a cryptocurrency platform and persuaded Michael to invest $18,000. And then another woman called Lydia reached out to him, and it went on and on. And she, too, was Chinese. <laughs> she claimed to be a successful businesswoman, even sending Michael photos of a Bentley she claimed to own. This guy's a freaking idiot, dude. Yeah. He, uh, he got brainwashed, and he started investing in his platform. He's taking money from his 401k. He's forfeiting the 20% penalty each time he withdrew from the 401k. Guys, please don't. Just please don't. Uh, let's see here. What else? Oh, remember that inmate who plucked out his own eyeballs? You guys all remember that, right? I covered it. That was Ryan Partridge, and he was in a Colorado jail. He's 37 years old. He was permanent. He's obviously permanently blind now because he fucking yanked out his own eyeballs after suffering untreated delusions in solitary confinement. Well, he, he has won two settlements. You taxpayers in Colorado are going to give uh, Ryan Partridge $2.5 million. He was in jail for a, an assault on another homeless person. So he, too, was homeless. <laughs> now he's going to get $2.5 million after gouging out his own eyes. After he gouged out his eyes, um, or is this before? Oh, no. Before he gouged out his eyes... He tried to kill himself by climbing the top railing on a second-story tier at the jail and jumping. He fell headfirst onto the ground, smashing his head on a metal table in the cement floor. He broke his vertebrae. Then he tried it again a month later. Guards talked him down, and then two weeks after that, he gouged out his own eyeballs. So now, uh, he believed the CIA was telling him to rip his eyes out of his sockets. <laughs> so now you're going to have to pay him millions and millions of dollars. All right, I'm running out of time, guys. Quick headlines. Imran Khan, former president, prime minister of Pakistan. You guys all remember him. He is in jail. He is now appealing his prison sentence. He was found guilty in that corruption case. 
And so they're appealing his three-year prison sentence. He was arrested and jailed last Saturday. Crazy downfall for the head of the country. 11 people died in a house fire in France. It was a vacation home. The victims were on an organized trip for people with mental disabilities in Witzenheim, near the borders of Germany and Switzerland. 28 people were staying there, and 11 people died. Ugh. Smoke inhalation likely the cause of death. Um... Oh, did you guys all see, you guys have all seen now the famous Alabama riverfront brawl between the white people and the black people? <laughs> it's funny. Three people have been charged. But this was all over social media, and boy, the black people love this. They were like, yeah, because like, they were like so proud of like a, a shit ton of other black guys like running over and beating up all the white people. And this was like nationwide news, like uh, worldwide news. The Guardian in England was covering this, and the New York Times wrote an article about it. And, like, if it's the other way around, if it's a bunch of white guys beating up a black guy, you know, which with, that's how it started. Let me rephrase that. It, the fight started, if you haven't seen it, these white guys were fighting with a black dude who apparently was like, hey, you can't park your boat here. And he untied their boat. And then they came down to confront him and they started getting in a fight. And so then a bunch of black dudes came over and they start got in a fight and the women were involved and it was this huge brawl. So it was big on social media, and uh, it there's all kinds of TikTok reenactments, um, songs, stuff like that. This is at Riverfront Park, by the way, in Montgomery. But I was just amazed because, like, this this was nationwide news. But like, if it was the other way around, like a bunch of black dudes beating the shit out of a white guy, it doesn't make an article in the New York Times or the Guardian or anywhere else. Uh, let's see here. What else? What's this one? I have to open up a tab here. See what I got. This is, oh yeah, yeah. More Lil Tay, but uh, I don't have time to play it. Uh, I mentioned Imran Khan from Pakistan. Let's go back to Pakistan. They had a train derailing, killing at least 30 people. Dozens of others injured. This was last weekend. At least 10 carriages of this train with 950 people on board fell off the tracks. And it was only going about 28 miles per hour when it derailed. And that was enough to kill at least 30 people. Nuts. Uh, let's see. Oh, remember the South Korea attack I talked about? That, that weird incel kid who drove his car, ran over some people, then ran in the subway and stabbed a bunch of people? At the time I did the story, nobody had been killed. Well, we need to update that because a woman has now died. She was one of the 14 people hurt in that car attack followed by the stabbing rampage in that city near Seoul. Uh, she was a woman in her 60s. And again, that suspect, 23-year-old male delivery worker, identified only as Choi. And he hit five pedestrians with the car. He went in the subway station and stabbed nine people. So now one of them has died. And they also had a big problem with copycat attacks. Remember, after that attack on social media, a bunch of people were like, well, I'm going to do it now, too. Well, cops have arrested seven different people over those mur making those murder threats at different Seoul subway stations. Good. Give them the electric chair. Uh, your boy, Andrew Tate. You guys all know Andrew Tate. You guys love him. He has been released from house arrest in Romania. Yep. He was released uh, last Friday. 
but they must, him and his brother, what is his brother's name, Tristan? Yeah. They must remain in the country while they await trial on those charges of human trafficking. The Bucharest Court of Appeals said in a statement that Tate and his younger brother Tristan must stay in Romania under probation for 60 days while awaiting trial. Remember, the Tate brothers and two Romanian women were indicted in Romania in June on charges of engaging in human trafficking across Romania, Britain, and the United States, also accused of rape and also accused of forming an organized criminal group in 2021. Senator Dianne Feinstein has now been hospitalized after falling in her home in San Francisco. You know what? This poor old woman, just let her retire. And yes, she also gave power of attorney to her her, her daughter, which is completely insane. So a U.S. senator has granted her only child, Catherine Feinstein, power of attorney over her legal affairs. Catherine Feinstein is a former superior court judge in San Francisco. And this is a... You, you're so you can't run your checking account, but you're going to vote on legislation. Like, just get out of here, dude. You, I'm sick of these old people. Uh, let's see this one. Eh, just skip that. Oh, a lot of you guys sent me the story about the woman who was attacked by a snake that fell from the sky, and then a hawk dived in to get the snake and also attacked her. It's just unfortunate. That was in Texas. This was Peggy Jones. Crazy procedure, man. Yeah, a snake fell out of a clear blue sky. They don't know how it happened. It wrapped itself tightly around Jones's right forearm. And she screamed, said in an interview. She, was, she said, quote, I was screaming, Jesus, help me, please, Jesus, help me, end quote. And the snake wrapped itself around her arm more tightly. It hissed and lunged at her face, striking her glasses. But then a brown and white hawk flying overhead. That's where it came from. It had apparently dropped the four-and-a-half-foot-long snake, so then the hawk comes back down and tries to wrench the snake off of her arm. It's got, you know, pretty powerful talons. Her arm's now covered in blood. And, uh, yeah, pretty crazy, dude. Attacked by a snake, fell out of the sky, and then the hawk. It's nutty. Uh, What else? And, oh, I want to do this one. This one's just an amusing video. So somebody put, this was floating around Twitter. So apparently there's this old Korean woman and she's got some kind of restaurant and she hired all like a bunch of black dudes. And apparently that's where she learned a lot of her English because you're going to hear her talking shit to them, but she uses like, she's got the Korean accent, but she's using like, you know, urban English, so to speak. And I just thought it was pretty funny. Let me play a little bit of this. You can hear it for yourself. Cook that and cook. You crazy shit. Slaves work for free. 
you work you got you know you got you got people mixed up Donathan no you need to, you need to watch what you're saying and what you tell me no you're not gonna tell me that okay no you got it mixed up you think you the slave but you get paid hey, got them I can get got them your ass get on out of here too shit yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, we've been working this. I've been having a goddamn day almost a month, Jonathan. Shit. And you can come back and tell me you want me to cook that goddamn shit and give you that three pound get used to the laws of fucking mine. <laughs> All right, I'll stop it there. This goes on for another minute. Like, you must have lost your goddamn mind. That's great. Uh, what else? Uh, let's go to Seattle really quick before I run out of time. Uh, according to a local activist uh, journalist up there, Jason Rance, Seattle Mayor Bruce Harrell's office is demanding the Seattle Police Department show fewer white men and military bearing in recruitment materials. This was a memo obtained by him. The document was seemingly destroyed, and the mayor's office did not initially turn it over through a public disclosure request as required by law. Yeah. A digital strategy lead from the mayor's office took control of Seattle Police Department marketing efforts. In March 2023, a memo to SPD Human Resources staff titled, quote, SPD Marketing More and Less, end quote, Ben Dalgetty, this digital strategy lead, asked for, quote, less, end quote, images and videos of, quote, officers who are white and male, end quote, and officers with military bearing, end quote. In their place, he asked for more officers of color and officers of different genders and officers who are younger. And the memo was a part of a larger effort to hire fewer white men, according to a source, and it may be illegal. Isn't this the mayor that was supposed to be, like, the reasonable moderate? I thought, like, because I know they had some nut in there. Yeah, not so much. Yeah, it's, all these stories, all these stories are lame this week. I should have just skipped the podcast, honestly. But we'll struggle through it. We're almost done. Uh, do you see the UK over in the UK? They they had that barge they were going to put all the illegal aliens on, and uh, <laughs> they're so stupid. Yeah, dude. Four days ago, asylum seekers were moved onto a barge moored off the British coast as the government rolled out a new policy, right? Well, then on Friday, today, that vessel has now been evacuated because they found bacteria that can cause Legionnaire's disease found in the water system. Uh, pretty friggin' embarrassing, obviously. And this was because they're trying to get tough on this. They said uh, they were trying to stop migrants from crossing the English Channel in often unseaworthy vessels. And now, uh, the week began with a flurry of policy announcements. And they said, oh, we're going to transfer 15 asylum seekers onto the barge. By Friday, a whopping 39 people were on board. How many thousands of people they have? The vessel called the Bibby Stockholm was intended to help cut the cost of housing 51,000 asylum seekers. God, I hate when they call them that. In hotels. That costs about $7.6 million U.S. a day. So they got 51,000. They put 39 people on this barge. And now they've taken them all off because they found bacteria. God, it's a joke. It's such a joke. I'm glad. You know, it makes me feel better about our own. Good Lord. Uh, let me see here. Oh, this is a good one. 
A Florida guy, 81 years old, who's in a wheelchair and has dementia, he has confessed to a cold case murder of his girlfriend who was found floating face down in a Canadian river 50 years ago. Said he felt guilty about it. Yeah. The retired guy. His name is Rodney Mervyn Nichols. He was arrested by Deputy U.S. Marshals at his retirement home in Hollywood, Florida in July. He has been charged with murder. Canadian police linked him to the murder of Jewel Langford, who was found floating face down in the Nation River in eastern Ontario on May 3, 1975. She was not identified until 2021 when the DNA sample of her exhumed body matched up with a relative of hers. So he's now in custody. They have a picture of this guy? No, they don't. Apparently they're traveling and the, uh, they say what he did. Um, she had no water in the lungs, which suggests, suggests she was deceased before entering the water. She had been known as the Nation River Lady before being identified, so. Wow. Yeah, no picture of this guy. But yeah, old dementia guy in a wheelchair. Uh, there was another sad story. Um, three helicopter crew members were killed in a midair crash out here in California. Very weird story. Yeah, Cal, this was Cal Fire. And they're calling it a freak accident. This was in Riverside County last Sunday night. And it was two different helicopters. One of the helicopters was a small one. It was one of those Bell helicopters. And the other one was a big one that can, you know, uh, drop the waters and stuff like that. So they basically, this was part of a team of six helicopters. It was only a three-acre blaze, but that's how they do it. They just send the house, right? And somehow one helicopter ran into the other and they crashed. The big one was able to do a hard landing, I guess. But the smaller one just uh, went right into the ground. Two firefighters and a contracted helicopter pilot were killed. Any more detail on this? Uh, yeah, not much. So that's a sad story. That's a dangerous job, man. Uh, then there was this story, another bad doctor. A, a chick, this is a New York City doctor, 40 years old, Crystal Casqueta, 40. She allegedly shot to death her own four-month-old daughter, and then she turned the gun on herself and killed herself. I mean, I've heard of mothers, like, killing their daughters plenty of times, but it's rare that they, like, shoot them to death. It's, like, insane to me. But New York State cops, and the husband had nothing to do with this. He was, the husband was not at home. Her parents were home, and they're not releasing much of a motive. Obviously, it's some break with reality. But they said uh, Crystal Cascada entered the baby's room around 7 a.m. on Saturday and then shot the child dead before turning the gun on herself. Four-month-old daughter. Like, dude, that is hardcore. Like, I can't, like, picture a mom. I can't picture anybody pointing a gun at a little baby and pulling the trigger. But uh, even, like, a mom is crazy, dude. So, I don't know. Uh, what else? Quickly. Oh, another heat stroke case. You guys have been covering these because it's been hot. Well, a guy who died in the Arches National Park in Utah, yes, is believed to have died of heat stroke while on a trip to spread his father's ashes. 66-year-old James Bernard Hendricks was hiking in the park, became disoriented from a combination of heat, dehydration, and high altitude. He had stopped in Utah while journeying across the west to spread his dad's ashes. 
They found his vehicle at a trailhead parking lot, and then he was found nearby off-trail with an empty water bottle. Again, guys, for the 50th time, please bring enough water. Bring more than you need. 26 horses were killed in the Georgia barn fire. Firefighters reported to a call at the Blue Springs Farm in Forsyth County. The fire had been burning for some time before it was reported by 911, and uh, they found the barn containing multiple horse stalls com completely engulfed. And, uh, yeah, 26, dude. Obviously, horses, yes, extremely high on the animal hierarchy. Notably, not so much where they, where they are from in the nature, but because of their bond with humanity for many, many centuries. By the way, interesting fact. There's a difference between wild horses and feral horses. I just learned this. There's actually only one area in the world where there are true feral horses. These are horses that are not... Um, I hope I'm using these terms. I might have them backwards, but I'm pretty sure I'm right. But basically, there's only one spot in the world. It's somewhere in Asia. I don't remember. But those are horses who are actually real, true, wild horses. They, they were not... They did not descend from horses bred in captivity or tame horses, right? So those are true wild horses. Whereas the horses we think of as wild horses in, the, in America, those are not feral horses because they were all born from horses in captivity and then they escaped and they joined like a pack and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Those are the wild horses of America. But two different things. thought that was interesting. Uh, yes, many of you sent me this one. 74-year-old Italian farmer crushed to death by thousands of falling Parmesan-style cheese wheels. Mmm. Yeah. This was uh, Giacomo Chiaparini. He was the owner of the Chiaparina cheese-making company in Lombardy. Giant shelves holding 90-pound wheels of Grana Padano cheese suddenly buckled and caved in. And it has a domino effect... And the storehouse is completely screwed up, dude. They had 25,000 of these cheese wheels, 90 pounds each. They were in stacks of 20. They tumbled to the ground from long, narrow shelves, burying him alive, and he died. Crazy. It sounds like the cheese is going to be okay. So I know, I know it's mean, but, you know, he's gone. Okay, we still need the cheese. Okay, and this was great. You guys remember how the Army, the United States Army, had to, had to have a prep course because too many idiots were failing, like the ASVAB, which is like the easiest thing ever. That's the test to join the military. So the Army rolled out a prep course, and they were very proud to announce they have seen a 95% graduation rate. <laughs> All I could think of is, first of all, these are the people who are too fat and stupid. By the way, they also had like, it also, this prep course also has physical fitness stuff because too many of these guys couldn't just go through regular army basic training. They were that fat, obese, incompetent, whatever. But I'm like, wow, 95% graduation. All I'm thinking about is the 5% of people who did not pass even this. And it's like, how dumb, you're too stupid to like go on living, honestly. And guys, that is all the time I have. And I want to go to the big finish and yes a couple of you sent this to me this was just breaking recently let's well we'll call it go to boston this is a doctor i told you i had a bad doctor story and a primary care physician at the beth israel deaconess medical center 
was arrested this week, Thursday, yesterday, on charges of committing a lewd, indecent, or obscene act on an airplane for what he allegedly did while seated next to a 14-year-old girl on a Hawaiian Airlines flight from Honolulu to Boston on May 27th, 2022. He's just being arrested now? I know, it's, it's an old kid, but this is, ju- this is just in the news this morning. Well, the FBI got involved. Um, and yes, here we go. According to an affidavit... Should I read right to the, right from the affidavit? Um, I'm scanning ahead. I just want to get to the good stuff. Oh, here we go. According to the affidavit, about halfway or five hours into the flight, Sudipta Mohanty, that's the doctor's name, of Boston, had his penis out and masturbated to completion. Yes, he finished, and he was seated between his partner asleep on one side and the girl, who was very much awake, on the other side. The girl was flying to New England to spend the summer with her grandparents, who were seated in a different row and other relatives. And then uh, the affidavit continues. The man then zipped his pants back up, got up, and went to the restroom. When he returned to his seat, the minor, they're calling her Minor A, the 14-year-old girl, did not know what to do. Everyone around her was asleep. She could see that her grandparents were asleep. She was desperate to get out of her seat and away from the man. She looked behind her and saw that a woman, who they refer to as the neighbor, was seated in the row behind Minor A with two empty seats next to her. Minor A got up and asked the neighbor if she could sit next to her. The neighbor said yes. She took a seat. The neighbor said, hey, uh, you okay? And Minor A said she was all right because she did not want to freak anyone out. Um, So then she gets up, sees her grandparents awake, and told her grandmother she had moved, and then once off the plane and in the airport, she told her grandmother that the man next to her had done something, quote, inappropriate, end quote. (laughs) Oh, no, dude. Yeah, a little inappropriate. So the dude finished. He finished on a plane next to it. What are you thinking? I'm telling you guys, I'm never, it never ceases to amaze me, the urge that comes over men. Like, dude... I got a jacket and I have to jack it right now and I have to finish. And it's, I'm like, bro, can you not wait like five minutes before you go home? G- g- at least go to the airplane bathroom. It sounded like everybody was asleep. It was in the middle of the flight. You'll probably have plenty of time to go fucking jack it right in the bathroom. Like, what are you thinking? And now your name is on the internet forever. Congratulations, guys. There goes the iPad. That's the big finish. And that's two and a half hours. No breaks, no editing. Again, I hope it sounded okay. I forgot without the sock on the mic. It might be a little distorted at times, but hopefully it's all right. The air conditioner, the friggin' leaf blower, all the rest of it. But that's all I got for you guys. Please follow me on Twitter at Bravo Kilo Actual and check out that Instagram at BK Actual. And most importantly of all, please go to the Patreon. I'm still recovering from the, uh, the big fraud glitch from the other week. I know a lot of you guys have rogered up. I will get on Patreon to address you personally. I just haven't had a chance with all the travel. But I'd really appreciate you guys who go to patreon.com, type in the box, search box, BK Actual, and consider making a donation, buck or two a month. Cheapest entertainment you will always get. And guys, I really appreciate when you do so. Help keep the podcast going. That's all I got from Scottsdale. I'll see you next week. (laughs) 